The intermediate line advises a language and concept warning for the entire show. The Intermediate Line is brought to you by NervousWater.com.au Thomas and Thomas Rods, Shilton Reels and Portland Lines Ketterfly, Australian made apparel, made by flight dishes for flight dishes Powerpole, total boat control These brushes, we stay in our lane of experience so we can improve your experience Yeah, my talk is don't know that Tirana. Don't knock Tiranas, okay? We're, just, we're not going to be off to a right, the right foot if you start knocking Tiranas or any Kingswood, okay? I love go, Kingswood, mate. Go to town on Falcons. Don't care. <laughs> HQ Kingswood was my dream first car, eh? Right? Was your dream first car, huh? Yeah, yeah. I wanted, I wanted to get one like a Ute. Um, but uh, didn't didn't end up happening, right? Ended up with a Dats and Bluebird. Huh. Yeah. yeah, my first car was a King Kinger WB, and then I, mm-hmm. I ended up buying a HQ. I had two HQs. I had an HQ wagon, and I had a HQ Tunner too. And I did that. I did a ground up restoration on the HQ Tunner. Put a small oh, really? lock Chev in it. Yep, three fifty written on a little throttle. Pretty pretty work. Three fifty Chev in it. Um, yeah, four nine inch diff turbo four hundred box in it. Uh, yeah, it was a pretty good rig, but I sold it for a deposit for my first house. Didn't oh, even yeah. get to drive it. Pretty prudent thing. What do, you, what do you reckon you go for these days? I don't know. It was a pretty clean unit, for sure. But, um, yeah, I, I, I got it. I think I got 12 grand for that thing. I spent more than that just on the engine. Yeah, I bet. It was mm. a tough car, man. Oh, yeah, a tough car for a tough man. I can imagine you hanging out of that, you know. Oh, but, yeah, mate. But, all fucking, you know, singlet, muscles, attitude. Oh, I had a pair of, ink. I had a pair yeah. of um, sunglasses on with silver mirror and a pencil thin mustache and a nice eagle on the muscles tattoo. You know, just a, an eagle. <laughs> that, tough. We get nowhere here, man. This is a shitty intro. Let's let's just let's just start the intro again. Leave it. <laughs> All right then, we'll fucking leave it then, mate. Let's just, just flex some <laughs> flex some muscles. Doing your Datsun level energy, you know? Yeah, Datsuns are cool, man. <laughs> that the the Dado is cool, mate. If you're into sneakers and hanging out at Seven Eleven. Oh yeah, yeah. Look, it's just what I was. That was my station in life at that point in time, mate. Yeah. Cool, man. It was the toughest guy at footy training, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> All right, folks, welcome back to another show of the Intermediate Line podcast. And we're really sorry for the uh, the insight into our lives there. Uh, you know, sometimes it's unnecessary. But I'm Chris Adams, and I like a nice pair of comfortable shoes. And this is my um, co-host, Jeffrey Volter, who likes to... Um, what do you like to do, Vols? Tell us something personal about yourself that's off the cuff right now that people wouldn't already know about you. Uh, I don't I think like, it, mate. I like a nice pair of thongs. I do. Actually. Why would man? I just said I like comfortable shoes. What I mean, I said I like to party. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, well I mean, you can't you can't say you like to party. I don't know what to say, man. We all got to wear shoes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We do. We do got to wear shoes, mate. Yeah. Jesus didn't wear shoes. You didn't. Jesus. Oh, it was his birthday the other week. It yeah. was, mate. <laughs> didn't get any shoes, but anyway. Nah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. No, it certainly didn't, mate. Um, all right. Well, you know, we're here for another week, and we've um, we've had a, uh, a friendly spanner in the works, I guess you could say, that we had a, um, um, a guest lined up, but um, through circumstances out of everyone's control, and fair enough, we had to shift gears and come up with a different show than what we planned. But we yeah. think we've got a good one for you guys. Um, that's quite pertinent to this time of year for a range of people. We hope the other people that don't have access to um, what we're about to talk about tonight still find interesting. Unless you don't hope that bolts. Is that something you'd want to bring up? Well, I hope people don't find it interesting. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I said I hope people find it people find it interesting, and I just wondered if that's something you'd hope as well. I definitely. You know, I hope people find it interesting. I do, but if they don't, then that's not my problem. You know, I'm giving up. No, that's that's not the best attitude to have, mate. Um, I want to speak on behalf of, of myself and the rest of the staff at the Intermediate Line podcast and just saying that we distance ourselves from Volta's opinion and we truly do hope that you find it interesting. Sorry. Yeah. Don't, you know what, mate? There's no need to apologize. You are who you are. And I think that that's what people appreciate about you, mate, is your handedness. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and, that's, and your yeah, and your love of thongs. It comes. It comes from the heart, you know. And and pluggers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> comes from the heart, mate. Yeah. Heart week this week, isn't it? Heart week. You in the skip rope for heart this week, right? Could be, man. I'll take your word for it. So, people should be looking after their hearts every week. Yeah. Yep. Not health, just this week, but yeah, it's a good week. Never too. takes a holiday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, mate. Um, well, we should get right into the subject matter, I suppose, and that is that we've decided to do another special based on something we've done in the past. Now, if you're hearing this for the first time, chances are you've seen us advertise the show, so I'm not you know, creating any suspense as to what it is, but we are going to chat about Saratoga again. Saratoga. Saratoga, as we say in the country. Now, should clarify that we're talking about Saratoga uh, Lycardi, which is the southern species of Saratoga. Vols, you probably have got the same experience as me in that you might hear people spin out that um, that there's two species of Saratoga in Australia. Now, I um I I tell people that you know they might ask me in general conversation. You know, how, what did you do on the weekend? Did you go fishing? And I say, yeah, I went toga. And then bad people tell me, oh yeah, I've um, I've caught toga before when I was in Kakadu, or whatever, you know, or and um, Robbery, Billabong, or whatever, you know. And I'm like, oh no, they're different fish. 
To which most people reply, oh, right, I didn't realise there was two different Saratoga. But there is. Isn't there, Vols? There is, yeah. Yeah, you got yeah. like Hardy and Jardini. The Jardini is the northern one. And Jardini? Um, or is it Jardini? How do you pronounce it? Well, do you think it's Jardini? Have you heard more people in uh, learned circles pronounce it that way? Enunciate it that way, I should say? No, I haven't. I just use that just to piss people off. Yeah. Jardini. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, so, like, yeah. You know, using the same methodology to piss people off, I'm going to try yeah. and be Chris Adams. You know, yeah, so. well, I'm glad we're only talking about the Lychardi today because I'd be really pussed to um, <laughs> hear you talk about that Jardini all, all, way, all the way through the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure the mispronunciation will offend somebody somewhere. Though. Yeah, it's like, well, I guess, it wouldn't be that far to be calling the Lychardi the Lychardi because a lot of people call Block Eye Blotchy, right? <laughs> or Bulchy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hat tip of the hat to Bolchi. People, you might want to send um, you know, flowers or something to Bolchi. Um, Bolchi, he's had a bit of a tumble. I don't know if he wants me saying it on an international podcast, but you know, we love the bloke. He's a um, good friend, but he's um, he had a tumble the other week, and um, you now he, he he might he might have lost the ability to spell. I don't know. Some of his texts are getting pretty hard to read, but he took a tumble and he got a couple of rocks hit him in the head. I'm not kidding you about that. He's uh, yeah, he's had a bit of a beat up, but he's all right. He's recovering. Um, How are the he, rocks? Well, I don't think anyone can pre-anticipate what the rocks were feeling at that point in time, but uh, he did it. Mate. He uh, he made sure the rocks were fine. Yeah. Pat on the head. Unfortunately, his rod, his reel, his sunglasses, and his GoPro, uh, and his head aren't exactly, you know getting away scot-free, so to speak. Poor dude. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Anyway, hope, you, hope you're feeling better, Andy, if you're listening to this. Um, if you're not, what what, what should we tell you, Vols? <laughs> well, you'll get better soon, man. It, you, you know, it's why yeah. I can't get worse. You'll be good. Yeah. Maybe don't Maybe don't stay aggressive, you know? Calm down. Yeah, mm. calm down. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so back back to it, you know. Um, the the, the Lycardi, so it's a you know it's a southern species, so people don't realize that. I would say, I mean, there's I've had discussions with people online in saying that which one's the um, the biggest biggest species. You know, you hear all these rumors, and I think Grant's Guide to Fishes has um, the Lycardi maxing out at um, seventy centimeters, whereas you know you and I both know that there's been plenty of fish caught over that and way bigger than that. In fact, uh, I believe the the biggest one I've heard legit recorded was in a, a, a Department of Private Industries sample net um, in Lake Grumba, which was, I think, um, was announced at 1.12 metres. So, you know, Grant's Guide for Fishers has really um, dropped the ball with that one. It's such a legit publication. And I believe they have the, um, the Jardinian um They'd be a little bit smaller in there, but I've heard people say that, that they've seen fish there, like you know, nudging a meter too. But you know, from what I, from all all accounts, I'm going to sound biased. You know, I don't mean to be. I mean, take it as you will. But I mean, the 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 Lycardi is it seems to be a bit more of a robust, a bit beefier looking animal than the Giardini, which is you know a fish that's pretty similar to um, arowana found in yeah. Asia and stuff. It yeah, really is. Arowana, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'd agree with you there. I mean, both of them. In fact, the whole 
the whole arowana clan are, uh, are what they classify as an ancient fish. They haven't changed in millions of years. Well, they've changed very little, I should say. Um, mm. Their um, the order of fish that they're from is called the bony tongues, um, and I'm unaware of the significance of that. But um, the uh, could, it, could it be their bony tongue? It, it could be. Yeah, they could mm. bone tongues, bony tongues, and they're. Um, with with those, uh, hang on. I'm sorry. Just I, reeling back there for a second. It's something it was probably pretty easy to glance over as a listener or even a co-host. Did yeah. you say boner tongue? Bony tongue. You're gonna have to oh, re- sorry. Yeah. Yeah, so I know that that's. I would, en- I would encourage listeners to just hit the 10 second rewind button to just see it for yourself. Perhaps yeah. it might have been a uh, Freudian slip there. Could be. So the um, the technical term, the Latin name, and. Um, you know, you, you might, I'll, I'll forgive you for not understanding this, is mm. osteoglossidae, which uh, means literally bony tongue. Uh, right, that's the family though, not just the t- not just for Saratoga, that's all, all of them, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. How yeah. far does that extend, mate? Does that go into um, like arapaimas and stuff? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're osteoglossidae. You, you, you don't have that page open on Google? Uh, well, Arapaima and, and there's a Nile Arowana. They, they've got a slightly different looking head. Um, oh, is there a Nile? I didn't know that. A Nile yeah. Arowana? Yeah, right. Yeah. African one is found in Nile. It's pretty, out of all the, you know, Arapaima, the two, well, there's three Asian Arowanas, um, uh, you know, two Aussie ones. The You've got that um, silver, and, and there's actually a silver and a black, which are, uh, um, they look identical as adults. You can only tell them apart as kids, and they're, they're in the... Um, in the Amazon, so you got two there plus the Arapaima, three in Asia, two in Australia, and one in um, Africa. Yeah, people people say that one in Africa doesn't exist. They reckon it's in denial. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't quite land that, but you can see where I was going, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're way sharper than you look. That is so good. I, I love <laughs> well, I'm a dad. You know, I got to, I got to, I got to have jokes like that on hand anytime. Yeah. calls for the situation that one definitely called for it yeah it was it was on point it's well delivered too man yeah yeah so i mean i guess from i've actually I'd never caught a jardini but um and i've come close to it no thanks to chris heath um we talk about it all the time um <laughs> trailer might be the trailer mountains wouldn't hurt you mate just saying um oh. anyway um the wheels fall off everything yeah, yeah yeah it was a true wheels off event literally uh <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, um, but I guess you know for both of us, I know you, you've caught Jardini, right? Yeah, yeah, I've caught him up at Corroboree, um, Billabong, Northern Territory. Yeah. So, but I guess from from real experience, I suppose neither of us could really talk with too much confidence with that species. So, I mean, the show is going to be primarily in regards to the Lycardi. Yeah. Um, which, of course, is the only between the two of them, that's the only one that's native to Australia. Whereas you'll find the Jardini and you know New Guinea and does it extend into Asia at all? Like further into Asia, I should say. I don't believe so. I think the word you're looking for is endemic. Um, well, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. the Lycardi is well native and endemic uh, are both the same thing, right? So I can say native. You know, so how about you just you know cool it on the thesaurus attitude, right? All right. Sorry. We don't want to get we don't want to get you know too far past the word dentition. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, okay, mate. Well, look. Um, yeah, that's where we're at. That's where we're going. That's where we're going. That's where where the train is headed from the TIL station. Yeah, yeah, I like that one. I like it. So yeah, 
yeah, the um, the idea that somewhere in the, in each of those Saratoga's range in Australia, like you'd love to believe that there's like a Jurassic Pond or something where there is, you know, like a, a stock of fucking full size beefcake, you know, like meter long dinosaur looking togas just annihilating everything. Um, I reckon, I reckon there is for probably right. both for both species, really. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've, you hear you hear rumours about you know billabongs on X Y Z system and you know um, for both species um, that, yeah. that are, and same with meter long togas. You know, I went into a, a tackle shop in Brisbane the other day. I said, "What's the biggest one you've heard of?" And you know, he rattled off two over a meter and one just under. And no photos, but, I'm guessing. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. And I don't want to. I'm not starting anything, but no, I'm, start I'm, it. Start it, send the photos, guys. Show us the beef. Is that hard to expect? Yeah, yeah. You know, if if you see if something something that big deserves a pick, I I've seen a legit not on fly a legit one one hundred and two centimeter toga on a brag mat photo, and um, the dude people know this dude. He'll probably he's probably going to listen to this and he's probably going to be pissed off that I mentioned his name, but let's just call him Will, right? And um, Will isn't on social media, but the picture was on social media um, from, and I don't believe it's there anymore, but you could probably hit this company up if you really want to see it. They've probably still got it. Um, it's uh, Pimp My, PML, Pimp My Lure. Um, I don't know the dude's name, but he's in Brisbane. He just paints jig heads and stuff like that. Like, was caught on a spinnerbait in the in the Mackenzie River. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, I can't imagine. I would, like... The actual size in 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 real life, uh, you know, the thickness, the depth, um, you know, that, that would just blow me away. I, I would love to see a, a big one. I'd, I'd love to pick Will's brain about, you know, just to hear how big it is. Um, yeah. You could see it. Uh, yeah, it's um, it's pretty big. It's like it gets it gets no different to any sort of fish that you would have seen in sort of the you know the the seventies, late seventies range. Like they. They maintain their they probably their probably growth pattern is they maintain their length for a while and and just beef out you know like it's uh to a point where they you know just I don't know the beefiness gets too much and they got to grow length I I don't know um but that's what that that's what it looks like it seems to look like I've you've seen the one I've caught my PB my PB is 92 from Barumba and um and that thing is um that thing is not not exactly beefy but it's not thin it's pretty solid that's for sure but it's not. It's not like um, that fat, like getting getting too beefy for its length sort of look, you know. So <laughs> it probably was like that. Who knows what, what it grew up at? But anyway, that yeah. But anyway, we, we can get into that because that 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 was a pretty different situation to when people normally char- chase them anyway. Um, but we can get into that when we talk about the varieties, the scenarios, perhaps if we're going to go that way. Yeah. But, yeah, but I got a photo of that one, but it's not on a mat. I'm just holding it. It's a pretty bad photo too. That was actually a pretty pretty interesting day. I was um, I was the um, I'm sure you've heard of it. Um, it's a bit of a funny story. You want to hear it? Yeah, man. Come on, I hear all the story. Yeah. So that was the, that was in winter. And we'll, I'm sure we'll get back over times to chase it. It was a cold morning. It was the Brumba. It was like six degrees. It was fucking stupid cold. I yeah. Uh, what well, um, so I was hosting a club trip. I was the president of the uh, Saltwater Fly Fishing Association um, back then. And so I hosted, uh, I don't know, about 10, 15 people. And uh, we met up Barumba and the water was quite low then. The water was like only about, I don't know, 
a lot of people who fish it now probably can't contemplate that or ever seen it like that. It was just pretty creek-like. Anyway, so um, I bought my, I got my canoe towed up there. I just got into a boat and brought my canoe. So I just put my canoe on the bank and I bank hop from side to side. Um, but I said to them because a lot of them hadn't fished it before because it was all sight fishing. Like back then, it was, it was, yeah. You, know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't just blind cast around the place. Um, anyway, uh, I said to them, you know, if you catch a fish. Don't go hooting and hollering and carrying on. This might, this could be my words verbatim. You know, I was basically implying no one cares if you've caught what if you've caught Godzilla. Okay, just just go like take it. You'll ruin the fishing for everyone else if you go hollering and carrying on and jumping around and hooting and stuff. So, I, like I said, I took my canoe. I just bank hopped by myself, but I was on one bank in particular, and um, there was this dude Pat, and he was sort of near me, but like we were not close to each other. Um, so this fish. I'll go on a bit more about the situation. It was pretty cool. It was a very cool eat, actually, because um, back then the water was low and the fish could see you. It was winter. Water was really clear and stuff like that. And in winter, the bigger fish seem to show themselves a lot better, whether they warm themselves up or whatever. But they don't hibernate. They still got to eat through winter, but they're they're a lot lot doughier. Uh, anyway, so I was watching this fish and I was just I was like hiding behind trees and just waiting for it and had to have a cast line up where the not only my forward cast had to be unobstructed, but also my back cast so I could make this cast because I was standing back from the bank like maybe 20 feet or something. Um, but they cast in, I was using um, one of, an Andy's Toga Destroyer then and that thing ate it. And because it was winter, it was cold. I mean, it just ate, it just sat there and shook its head left to right and tried to reverse up. And it wasn't that hard to land. I mean, that fish it was just a big fish. Anyway, I, and I had to jump in the water to land it. I couldn't pull it up the bank. Uh, it wasn't a very big bank. It was probably about a, a meter down to the water, but just a, like a slope you could walk down, but quite steep. Anyway, the funny part was that I didn't have a camera with me because didn't have phones back then. And um, I had a lot. Oh, actually, I might have had a camera with me, but I, um, you know, it was like an Olympus waterproof camera. But then I found myself just yelling at the top of my lungs, Pat, Pat, come here. Pat. <laughs> just doing everything. I just, just drilled everyone to stop doing, but... God, it was worth it, you know. I like don't, I, you know, that, a fish that size back then in those days was was pretty hard to come by. The techniques that we're doing now, they're like, uh, I mean, still a fish like that, a fish over 80 is hard to find now, but a 92 was just rare as hell, you know. I haven't seen anyone come close to it out of Brumba yet, you know, but um, I'm sure people yeah. have, just I haven't seen it. Sure, sure. It was, um, uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll whack a photo of that one up on the, on the I don't app. even. I don't even know how it's on the forum. You'd have to go to the forum and check it out. Yeah. I don't I don't even I don't even think I've got that photo anymore. I um I I've like most people I've got I've had computers. Like this was off an Olympus, so it was not not on my iCloud or anything like that. But um yeah. yeah. Terrible photo. Like perspective's terrible. I'm leaning over it. You can tell, you can it's you can see on the rod where the guides are and the ferals are. You know, you can you can see it. You can see the length of it for sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But you can find it if you go to the Australian Saltwater Fly Fishing Forum and, I don't know, search Toga or Barumba or whatever, you know, 92 centimetres or something, put that in there, you'll find it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, I'll dig You've it up. You've seen it? Yeah, yeah, I'll, um, I'm sure I've got it here somewhere. I'll, I'll find it, yeah. Cool, man. Yeah. yeah. No, so that's an incredible fish. 92 is just, you know, um, a, a door buster. You know, that is incredible. Yeah, mind you, it's um. I mean, it could be it could be a little bit each way to the side of that. I measured it up against the rod, 
you know. So I didn't have a brag mat with me. I just was just, yeah, you know, box of flies in my pocket and my rod. Um, yeah, so we put put it on the ground and let the fish lay out straight and put the rod up against it and just um, took nose of it. But if you, if you speak to Pat Butler, you probably remember um, where it was. I mean, you can see it in the photo, like I said. It's uh, anyway, kind of look for yourself. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. Anyway, um, I can't remember why I got onto that. Why are we talking about that? Oh, we're talking about dinosaurs and, you know, um, yeah, you no. know, probably the myth of the... Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. The the, the meat of fish. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I reckon I reckon um, I hooked and jumped bigger in there, for sure. I've heard... Um, actually, I used to hear growing up all the time about... Uh, John Rowe, who used to guide there, who who caught meter plus fish. It might have been you who even asked him. I saw someone ask him on um, social media. He said his biggest one he got was seventy two. Yeah, yeah. Guy, that was me. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you know, like it's it's easy for rumors to get let out about these um, Loch Ness togas, hey? You know. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So you're right though. Like you said earlier, it's the one fish that people will. Um, oh yeah, mate. I've um, I've seen meter plus fish. Oh yeah, mate. Um, I've heard of people talking about the meat and ducks off the surface of the water, but all these things happen, you know, not unlike uh, Bigfoot, Bigfoot sightings, you know, like it's, I mean, people have got cameras for that stuff, but no one seems to have a camera for a, for a meter plus toga. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the only thing I take legit is one that, that one that Will had on the brag mat. Right. And, and also the, the DPI sample net's pretty hard to dispute too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you'd, that'd have to be, if, if that's, if that isn't a myth, there'd have to be a record of that one somewhere, you know. Yeah. Um, you'd expect that anyway. Um, be a bit hard to find for, for your average Joe, though. Oh, yeah, I don't know if we'd have access to it. But, um, yeah, that that would be that would be really cool. I would just love to see it. I, I remember, um, did you ever go to Underwater World? For the people who don't know, it's a public aquarium on the Sunshine Coast. Yeah, my mother and my brother used to work there. My mum was the manager there for a while. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, there was a um, there was a uh, a billabong exhibit there, and yeah. it had freshwater crocs. It had huge barra. Um, there's a huge mangrove jack, like I'm talking 70, 80 plus, and um, and uh, yeah, it, uh, it as a centerpiece, and it lived there. It outlived a lot of the barra. It was this huge. Um, this huge Saratoga. It didn't move much. It hung maybe, I don't know, a metre and a half or two metres uh, down. Um, it was quite a deep exhibit. So it's probably mid-water. Um, and it uh, it was just boss. Like, no, you know, nothing really fucked with it. Um, it was a really impressive fish. Mm. But right. they, they, um, the, the sides of that tank... Uh, or display were you know really thick acrylic and they have a they have a um you know an effect of magnifying effect yeah yeah and i yeah. think i think when you go there like there's actually a a sign that says that you know that it, it magnifies like 1.4 it actually quantifies how <clears throat> how much they they do um you know they they do magnify but yeah it was, you got an idea of what a what a you know a dino looking fish that thing was. It was very impressive. Yeah, yeah, man. I was going to say about the main fight. I couldn't remember the how much it did it though. But yeah, it was an impressive fish. The jack was was pretty hard to ignore in there too. That's for sure. Like you said, big animal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
No, for sure. <coughs> yeah, well, that pick, dude. I just sent it to you. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. Oh, cool, man. Yeah. We'll whack that one up. Um. Yeah. Sure, you will, sure you will, mate. You'd have to learn how to use it first, wouldn't you? <laughs> so, uh, Saratoga. Have, once they have big, you know, they they get that that extra dimension or that thickness. I also see it a lot too. Well, in my experience, I haven't done much wild river fishing, but um, you know, uh, yeah, the dams where I found them in, they uh, that have bony brim in them, they they certainly pick up a lot of extra bulk through their um, through their uh, piscivorous diet, mate. Yeah. Did you say in the rivers? Did you say all the in the dams, man? In the dams, yep, yep. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I can't think of any dams that have got them in that don't have bony broom in them, to be honest with you. What, um, Hins has got, um, targets, but I, th- I thought that was, there was an absence of bony broom in Hins. There was at one point. I don't know if they're there now or not. I believe that. I was only speaking to a client, a customer the other week who was talking about the bony broom in there for a different reason. Yeah. So, yeah, I would imagine they'd be in there. I mean, bony broom, yeah, they, they range pretty, pretty far and wide in the country. Um, Lot, a lot wider than than some of the predator species that we chase. As in, you know, you won't find a tiger or a barra in the cold, you know, the colder areas, but you'll find places that have got bony brim holding cod, so to speak. You know. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's not they're not it's not that far it's not out of their distribution let's put it that way in oh. at all in any way shape or form probably probably pretty primo for them I'd imagine. Yeah. Yeah. But they have to get put in there. The same way they got put in Barumba. They weren't in Barumba the whole time. Or a lake that both of us know well, I guess you could say. Yeah, the interesting timeline on that, like I, I feel like that was probably the early 2000s, um, probably when ABT comps started kicking off there. Right? That's a popular popular um, school of thought. I don't you know, may, maybe incorrect, I don't know. It would be coincidental. Um, you know. Yeah, go on. I was just going to say, you know, like I've, I've fished a lot of the rivers, um, particularly in the Fitzroy system, where, you know, where they where they are thought to originate from, or the Dawson River, which is part of the Fitzroy system. But yeah. um, the Mackenzie, the Isaacs, and then um, and the Dawson, I've fished all three of those rivers, um, and some of the tributaries like Funnel and Clark and stuff like that off the Isaac and stuff like that. But um, um, everywhere I've been in that system has had bony brim, and like in the morning they do what they do in the dams, like they're all up on the surface. Uh, for whatever reason that is, I've heard that they they eat some sort of algal bloom that only happens at first light or something like that. But whatever the thing is, there's bulk bulk bony broom in those systems, like just huge amounts. But yeah. they don't seem to they don't they don't seem to have the the um uh the the mass the body mass as they have in in the lakes, you know, that do that. Um, obviously in the rivers, you know, they got a lot more other species to compete with. Yeah, mm-hmm. so the the two lakes that we mentioned, for example. Or even Kenya as well, like you know, another another premier Saratoga lake. Um, none of those lakes have got you know, sooties or barra in them or anything like that. You know, um, there's a lot of other 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 lesser desirable predatory fish in those rivers as well, like you know, jade perch and 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 um, khaki or coal grunters and stuff like that, as well as alligator gar, yeah, um, fork tail catfish stuff like that as well. So. You kind yeah. of tend to tend to wonder, yeah. You kind of tend to wonder, like in the behaviours of um, the fish in the lakes, as as, as they've just learned to change compared to those ones in the rivers. The ones in the rivers seem to be able to, seem to dominate that top 
top meter where the other fish, those fish that I just mentioned there, they have no interest in residing in. So yeah. they just, they just, I guess they just take the path of least resistance and just do what they do well, which is forage, you know, for insects or frogs or any terrestrial type stuff, as opposed to having, what do you call it, a piscatorial, pis, what's your piscopalian diet, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, perseverous diet, you know. Perseverous, that's a yeah, new one. Eating fish, yeah, I know, just ripping them out, man. Like those, those, um, those teeth of theirs, uh, an upward facing mouth means it's, it's really hard for them to browse the uh, benthic strata for detritus, you know. So <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're what they call obligate carnivores, you know. So, yeah, they can't eat algae off the, uh, you know, or uh, any of that shit. So, I've, I've seen, man, I've, uh, as a lake here, um, that people might, may or may not know, Lake McDonald. Remember, it's one day seen a toga up the back of that, like in, in the shallow water. Just flapping his tail around like a like a golden trevally that was tailing, you know. I don't know what the hell it was chasing or whatever it thought, thought was worth uh, exposing itself like that. But man, it was interesting. I've seen him do some strange stuff like that. That's for sure. Like just things that are just um, bizarre and un- unusual, you know. That um that that you wouldn't expect to see any fish do, you know. Uh, uh there's one that takes my my mind um through in in, in the Mackenzie. I was with Dan Dingle once. And we we're up there. I was up fishing visiting my friend will and we both saw this happen man it was um there i don't know i don't know what was on the bank it could have been like a small rodent or, or a frog or something like that but both of us saw this toga just come come out of the water and launch itself on the bank to eat this thing ate it and then was flopping itself to try and get back in the water you know like how fish curl their tail up to try and scoop themselves back in to the water and when they beach themselves <laughs> It was yeah. incredible, man. It was it was making the biggest racket. It was it was splashing and carrying on. It was trying to get itself back in. It was not quiet at all. And this thing was three quarter of its body just launched out of the water and landed on the bank on its side to eat this thing. Okay. It, was, it was incredible, man. It's National Geographic. You know? Yeah. Well, neither of us. It, I mean, both of us had our jaws dropped, and neither of us thought yeah. we were mindful at the time to grab a camera. Neither oh, of us. Said, well, I think the most we said was, "Holy shit, look at that thing!" You know, something maybe, <laughs> but. Oh, that's a shame, man. That you know, that footage would just, you know, that's Chris Attenborough there. The um, <laughs> the, 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 there's well-known footage of those South American arowanas, those eel-tail ones, taking monkeys and spiders and all sorts of shit out of the. Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're real acrobats, and like they they grow to a similar size as. Um, uh, you know, like Hardy's. In- interestingly, like um, like I've seen some huge ones in aquariums, like ninety centimeter silver arowanas, but I've never seen like one of those in a photo. Like the ones in the wild, I should say. You know, the wild ones are sort of topping out at sixties, and they're a long, skinny fish. They don't have the the bulk that you know a like Hardy has, um, a like charter. What is that you call them? Something like that. But um, yeah, like charter, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they're, uh, you know, maybe they're better at, at getting out of the water or that extra long, you know, eel tail as, as opposed to a, as opposed to that, you know, that paddle that the, um, that the, uh, you know, the Lychardi and the Giardini and the um, Asians have is, um, uh, you know, m- might be better adapted to, to, to that sort of taking down monkeys or shit. I don't know. But mm. yeah. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, yeah, they, they. Yeah, well, who knows, man? But the one thing's for sure, they can see out of the water pretty easily, eh? Oh yeah, big eyes and they're right on top. Um, it's sort of funny that that 
not funny. It's they're amazingly well adapted. They've got that almost flat, you know, top um, of the of the fish. You know, so they can glide just under the surface. Yeah, no, no dorsal fin. Well, they got that. I don't know how you what you'd call it that that tail fin configuration, but no, no dorsal fin as such. I guess you could say. Is that correct? Would you say there's no dorsal fin on those things? Well, it's right right at the back, like right yeah. here, part of, the, part of like their triple tail sort of setup. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one. They got a technical term for that, but weren't. I born. thought you'd, yeah. you'd know it, wouldn't you? Yeah, they, yeah. That's the part of your everyday vernacular. Dorsal, caudal, anal. They're the back, you know, the back three. But, right. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. Like a barra, like a perch style fish, or a, you know, a dewy or something like that will have that that high front dorsal at the front. You know. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, it's yeah, you're right. Like it's it's the way that it's evolved. That's what I mean. Like it's um, when you're looking at the wild, like it's it's obviously their their jam, you know, to be up, you know, foraging up that that meter where you would find that other fish, like you know, barren stuff you'd see up there, sooties occasionally, and those alligator gar, for example. But I, don't, I can't imagine those fish would feel very comfortable there. But toga toga could be, you know, I've seen I've seen them in particularly in the, and back in the day in some of the lakes, you know, you traverse. Huge distances right up on the surface, you know. It's um, it's pretty amazing, really, to, to what they can do. And when you can watch them sometimes and to see what they eat and the, how small a disturbance they can make on the surface of the water when they're literally just under it, pretty yeah. pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, they're almost like crocodilian. You know how like a croc can, you know, move its four hundred plus kilos just under the surface. You not see it. You know, you don't, won't see it on the surface at least. Mm. It's yeah. amazing these fish can move at that sort of, you know, that speed or, or whatever and not leave, you know, any sort of apparent, um, you know. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly, mate. It's, um, you know, one of the things I find I'm saying a lot when I'm fishing with someone who doesn't, um, doesn't been around a lot of toga is, nope, that wasn't a toga. That was a bony brim. Like if there's any, any, any disturbance on the water, nope, that's a turtle. No, I oh, mean, we, I know we're going to talk about it. I didn't tell you this the other day, but like when I, I was up Rumba the other day, man, mm. I saw this, I had this lungfish. Now, I've seen lungfish out there heaps of times. We've all seen lungfish in the rivers, but man, I had one come right up to the side of the boat. Like, uh, like, man, I'll, I'll tell you what I, what I attempted to do before it failed, but it was so close to the boat and it sat there. And not only did it just take one breath, it just sat there breathing. I could hear it breathing, you know? And, mm. um, and, and um, to the point where I was in the middle of stripping, I stripped my line in. I put the line. I, I knelt, knelt down to try and pat it. It was right next to the boat, like it didn't care at all. I've never seen anything like that before. And as soon as, as soon as I got, I got, I got on my knee. I went to put my hand down, and um, and it didn't let me touch it. It just took off, but it didn't take off like a skeleton cap. But I, man, that was a that was a big lungfish. It was like a. I mean, I know they get a lot bigger, but it was it was over a meter easy. And yeah. um, just a big animal. Like, it was just so close. To the, I've never seen him so close to the boat or just sit there breathing. I've seen him come up and go, <sighs> and then head back down. But this yeah. thing was like, was just like, <sighs> well, you know, just like, <sighs> heavy up. Brother, you know? Yeah, it was like some of the phone calls I've, I've heard you describe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they get some big lungies up um, in the Mary, uh, Mary River and also in the Pine River in Brizzy. Yeah. Um, some really good footage of them around. Um, I was talking to Hambone about it recently. Um, yeah, so um, another uh, um, prehistoric fish. What did you call it earlier on? What did you call toga? Not bony tongue. What you, you called them something like an old world fish or something? Did you say? Yeah, yeah, they're an ancient fish. 
ancient yeah. fish. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what classifies something as an ancient fish. Yep. But yeah, those. Um, yeah, they're, I'm pretty sure. That's to be a real estate agent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With skinny legs. Yeah. <laughs> Darth Vader, the ancient fish. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty amazing to see. But yeah, um, yeah. We should. Um, I mean, we've already started to talk about some of the locations you can you can find them. I suppose, and if you've got Togo near, like that, that's you know what the funny thing is about Togo, is that it's such a big part of so many people's lives. But the distribution of, of the Lycardi, in 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 respect to Australia, is so small. You know, like yeah. it's not. I know that it'll run the, the Dawson run Dawson River will run out behind the range down to sort of you know, Romerish sort of area. I guess from from um, from the Rockhampton, but that's probably about as far west as it's going to go um but as far north as it goes you're probably looking at Mackay at best naturally i guess yeah um, yeah probably yeah yeah after yeah. that it sort of goes starts going towards the vertican you know yeah so, are they in the vertican no no they're no. only they're only in the you know dawson mckenzie isaacs you know the fitzroy basin there yep naturally yeah, yeah. naturally yeah they're yeah beyond that they're they're you know how touchy people get about the word feral but they're uh, they've been stocked outside their natural range. Non endemic. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know what sort of brought. Well, I don't know if you know this. There was in apparently in about in the sixties or something like that. I, I read someone put a post up, and I've heard other people talk about it as well that there was a, a program uh, that was encouraged by the government that um to encourage farmers to put Saratoga in their dams from the point of aquaculture. For, for whatever purpose, I don't know, past there. But um, it was, they were looking at breeding for, for sport and aquarium, aquarium industry. And they were just looking at them as like a, a side hustle, I guess, for, um, for for farmers that had bit large dams to be able to um, hold them there. So I guess the distribution really increased into some of the natural rivers um, that way, I guess, which is probably arguably how Sooty Grunner got in the Mary, which is a whole nother rabbit hole. But, um, whether that was um, encouraged by government agencies for the studies, I don't know. But the Toga, definitely, like, well, on pretty pretty um, reputable account, that's what happened, I guess you could say. But I'd be willing to be corrected if that's the case. But that's um, that's interesting, isn't it? Like you know, you don't. I mean, the distribution, the temperature range, they could probably be all the way down to the New South Wales border, um, and they could potentially be further north than Mackay, I suppose. But you don't hear of it in the rivers, that's for sure, or any of the lakes or whatever. Um, but I don't understand. I think it was just a sports species why it was stocked into places like Barumba, Hins, or um, even Ewan Maddock, um, Barumba, obviously, Kenya. Um, I can't think of any other lakes, lakes, lakes that have got them off the top of my head. Um, I know they're in Awonga. I've caught one in Awonga a uh, yeah. long time ago with, with Trevor Burgess. Um, you know they were stocked into Peter Faust, eh? Were they? With, um, Giardini. No, no, like, like Hardy's. Um, were they really? Yeah, and also I could. I'm, I hope I'm pretty sure I'm, I could be wrong. Um, Yungala Dam, which is part of the Burdekin. Um, right. Yeah. So um, uh, I don't know if there's any left there. I, I could be wrong um, on that, but I'm uh, pretty sure. Yeah. Um, well, according to SweetwaterFishing.com, Yungala is stocked with sooty grana, Saratoga, sleepy cod, barramundi. Well, there you go. I, I would, I would take that as gospel from, from um, that's Gary Fitzgerald runs that site, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would know. 
it's I would imagine. Is it pretty heavily involved with the, that industry? Yeah, so that's right on the southern, you know, top of the Burdick and, you know, that that I think it dropped into the Broken River or something and ends up in the in the Burdekin, I think. I could be wrong. They've got pretty different behaviours where you go, I guess you could say, for people who are interested in this show, for, for learning, like, just cut to how to catch them, mate. That's what we want to hear, you know? Um, yeah. It, it really depends on where you are, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want to start off with that one, mate? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, where would you find them? Like, within a, within a particular watercourse? Let's, let's well, talk. We, talk, we talk about the lakes. Yeah, but like which parts of the lakes? So, you know, they're all through. In my experience, you're you're just as likely to find them next to the boat ramp as you are like up the up the the top. You know, of the of the river or the you know, sorry, as the as the dam becomes a river or even a feeder creek or whatever. Like they just seem to evenly or relatively, and maybe that's a stretch evenly, but they um they seem to um you know habit the whole inhabit the whole the whole lake and at you know various times i agree uh yeah. if you're going to find them trying to think about the best way all, all, all i mean i i haven't fished hens i've fished kenya like a few times i guess you could say i've caught toga there as well um but barumba's really the place i spent the most at but this what i'm about to say could apply anywhere really and probably for a range of species but mm. with toga well with all species really you know, it's a matter of understanding their behaviour as um, as a social fish, really. Uh, first of all, you know, those fish aren't at, certain, at most times of the year aren't aren't a social species, so they need their space. So you know, it's not like you're going to find um, a school of a hundred toga in a, in a back basin. You know? um, I guess you know when you when you keep that in mind, they've got to be pretty spread out, uh, but they're all going to sort of congregate where they can for, for favourable conditions, and that can be. Yeah, you know, ox- absorbed oxygen levels, temperature, um, and obviously food source as well. You know, at the end of the day, predatory fish are going to, ex- um, you know, consume the least amount of energy for the most gain. Um, now, I guess part of that way of thinking would be understanding the bait source in whatever lake you choose. You know, and those lakes that we mentioned have all got bony brim in them. Um, but Funnily enough, mate, I don't believe that they that makes up 100% of their diet. I don't understand why. I'm not a biologist, but I would imagine that they don't get everything they need from um, from from bony brim. Um, but I do think that it's changed the way that they the habits of what they think. So keeping that in mind, bony brim are just like any other predatory fish. You know, they're gonna they're gonna predate on things that are smaller, you know, than themselves, and they're gonna be in the same areas for the same reason, right? So they're all sort of hanging in the same area, I reckon. Um, things that Things that bring bring food to them, like wind, is a good as a good way to, to look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, areas that are um, areas that are copping wind from all different directions, I suppose, are a, a good way to, to, to look at it. Um, and this is where the species differs from things like barra, I guess you could say. Uh, barra are going to sort of congregate and get comfortable in a in an area that's going to have wind from one direction, and if it changes, they'll do, go down deep and they'll start to sook. Tiger will just Toga will probably prefer an area that's going to handle more variety in weather conditions, uh, whether it be one direction for a long time or it changes in the other one. By that I mean, you know, like you will, you could possibly find them in a corner that's going to bring, you know, the, the surface temperature water to it, which is oxygen, as well as any little bits and pieces that fall on it over certain days. But they'll be prepared to move pretty quickly like any other fish, but they'll be more likely to be hanging in an area 
that's not too far to travel to something like that. Yeah, I'm not being more confusing than 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 I'm than I'm being helpful. Um, but you know, there, there you start to split hairs on how unique the species is when you start to find them in that respect. You know, I don't want to give away too much because I think if I got too specific about certain things, you know, it might make people not not be able to adapt on the day. You might you might stick to something, you know, someone says that might not be applicable to it every time you're out. If you know what I mean? So it's really beneficial to understand the species, no matter what species you're chasing. In my opinion, uh, I you know I, I don't think any species is going to be you're going to be successful at it by chasing them in the way that you want to chase them. By that I mean if you launch to the bow ramp and you say I'm going to go to that bay today and I'm going to use that fly and um and and you know we'll see how we go. Well, you know life would be great if it worked out that way because I'd use the same numbers on Lotto every week and I'd be a millionaire. Yeah, it just doesn't. <laughs> It just doesn't fucking work that way. So, you know, it's a matter. It's it's really it's just a really a matter of adapting on the day, which is probably a familiar thing you've heard us say on the podcast. Um, but it really is. You know, that's 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 fishing really at the end of the day. But you can make a best guess. You can make a plan based on what we can uh, measure and see or forecast, and that is the weather because you can't forecast the fish's mood. If you can forecast the fish's mood based on forecasting the weather, then. Um, then that's probably about the best best lead we've got. Weather and, and um, journaling past experiences, really. The best yeah. way to pre- predict behaviour. Yeah, yeah, learning from the past to predict the future. Yes, <laughs> yes, um, that's, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm hearing something from perhaps a cousin, a cousin, um, blue shirt I'm seeing. Yeah. <laughs> I have a message for you from that cousin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go deep earlier. That was the the cousin saying that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, are you talking about tiger fishing? Still, the cousin advice from the tiger advice. Yeah, yeah. He said, (laughs) you know, (laughs) don't fish on top all day. Well, I mean, that's where that's where the conversation expands to. Like, if if you think that you're in an area where they're going to be. Tiger are one of those species that um, that well, all species are like this, really. But but tigers' behaviour in this way of thinking is is they need they need to they need to protect themselves. They need to be able to live in safety and comfortable safety, as well as hunting. Now, species not only humans, but species that hunt another species will put themselves in a position um, where if another species slips just out of their comfort zone, they'll be waiting for us. You know, if a, if a if a fish, every fish that eats a fly has made a made a mistake, because it's been in a comfort zone, it felt safe enough to eat it and didn't recognise it as false. If a bird takes a uh, a Saratoga, say, it means that that bird that that fish has thought it was safe enough to be close enough to the surface that that bird has has seen it. If, if that makes sense, right? Yeah, sure. So, so if you're in an area where you think they might be, you kind of need to fish that safety zone because that's that's your best chance of them not having to take a risk of um, of them eating your fly. Um, Brumba's an interesting example there, I suppose, because of, um, like we said there with like a second ago, with the journaling, I guess you could say. Now, I don't, I'm not a nerd. I don't journal as such, but I, um, um, you know, I've got a girlfriend and stuff, you know, so I don't journal. Um, I'm actually married, but... Handle there. I'm sure you're picking up what I'm putting down. I don't yeah. play. I don't play Wordle either. You know, I'm not a virgin. Um, <laughs> it's one of my favourite things to go on Facebook in the mornings and you know just just remind those Wordle people I'm keeping an eye on them. 
<laughs> sometimes I let them know they may got it done in less guesses. Sometimes I don't, you know. Yeah. But, yeah. I, I like to get on there and say, good morning, nerds. Uh, <laughs> let, let them know I'm watching. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Oh, I've lost my train of thought. My my point is, if you're think if you're in an area where you think they are, you got to fish there. Safety zone. Uh, that's what I was saying. Barumba's an interesting case study uh, in that those fish have changed their behaviour. Now, Bolts, I know you've been fishing that place long, long enough to remember what I'm about to say, and that is that in that particular lake, as an example of what I'm about to lead into, I guess is that uh, that place used to be nothing but a site fishing fishery. All the behaviour you hear about Saratoga and you read about in the magazines that they're a top water eater, they love dalbergs, they love poppers, that's all true. You know, but you put that you put those fish in an unusual situation and lakes are a great example of that. Uh, you know, like they their behaviour will change. I I'm fortunate enough to um to have fished some great places in the in the wild areas. And the one thing that the lakes don't have that the wild areas do is competition, like we mentioned earlier. How yeah. Some of those other fish aren't real comfortable in that top meter, top meter of the water column. When those fish are in the top meter of the water column or, or roundabouts, that makes them a great target for fly fishing in that we can sight fish for them and present a fly to a, a, a moving fish. Our local puddle, as I'm sure you agree, Vols, used to be like that. You know, you know, it still wasn't easy, but um, you know, being able to present the fly to to multiple fish a day that was cruising around was normal. Um, you used to be able to walk the bank and you get better view of them. You just cruise down and pick them out, pick them off, and that was it was great fun. Nowadays, it, outside of breeding times, it's very rare to see fish cruising around on the surface. Now, You'll, I only saw one the other day, but it's a real surprise to see one. You know, for me, I I, I truly believe that, particularly <laughs> fish of any size or any sort of target. So those yeah. fish now, um, getting, that'd be my experience too. It's getting harder and harder to see them. Yeah. And, you know, you gotta. If you want to see them, you gotta. You know, go to places that suit cruising fish, and more importantly, suit the light to see them. You know. Um, yeah. Even then, you're not. I mean, you used to be guaranteed of seeing them, but even now, like, I mean, you be you 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 can see yourself lucky to see them now. Very lucky. Their behaviour's still there, like that. Obviously, the the um the behaviour's not bred out of the fish completely. I mean, they're old fish. They're old growing fish. So the fish that aren't showing themselves now are, are, are old enough to be of target length, of desirable length as an angler, um, to have displayed that behaviour back in the past. Now they haven't. So as I was saying, like the things that the things that the lake, like you, you start to wonder what's changed their behaviour. I guess to, to get the the um, elephant, to approach the elephant in the room, fishing <laughs> pressure definitely. We, we can come back to that, but fishing pressure has probably had a lot to do with it. But I think more so is the fact that they're they're um they start to learn their food source is a lot easier to go pick off say a bony brim um uh whereas in the wild if they were to go down hunting schools of bony brim they'd be competing with those other species that we talked about and probably forktail catfish are probably the most aggressive aggressive thing in that scenario for, for toga really those things are just little staffies with fins they just they're nuts um but in in Barumba, I suppose you could say again, just to use that as a case study. You know, that they're they're going to be eating. eating um, there's no need for them to be in that meter and risk that vulnerability of getting picked off by a bird because they can eat the bony bit. You know, that's that's they can yeah. they can either forage around all day for you know grasshoppers and insects and have to have to eat. You know, risk be vulnerable enough to eat you know 15 insects a day. They'll probably take them all day to find, or 
they could go down and hunt one bony brim and then go lay up on their log and just, you know, watch Toga TV all day. <laughs> yeah, it's probably a good way of putting it, you know, maximise the um, the risk versus reward scenario. Um, get get getting their feed and without getting eaten, like you said, that's that's the perfect sort of answer to them. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I still think. Sorry, I was just going to. Oh, sorry. Were you going to add to that? Yeah. Apologize. Oh, just just what you said about um, um, Barumba in particular. It, it is an evolving fishery, and I'm sure all the dams are like that. You know, like, yeah. Barumba was one of the first fish, uh, one of the first dams stocked in Queensland. It's um, I think it was 1967. I was going to uh, say 68, so it's got to be around there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Some dude called Hamar Midgley, um, who's considered the you know the grandfather of stocking in. Uh, There's fish. no way you're committing that to memory. You've got to have that on Google, right? No, man. He lived at Blah Blah. Hamar Midgley. Yeah. Anyway, right. Hamar made Hame. some fish um, and, and from, dropped them in there. But 1967, uh, oh, from obviously from, from somewhere they're endemic, endemic like the um, the Dawson. And he. Um, so, so old Hamar just had a fish tank in the back of his ute. I don't know how he did it, mate. You know, well, it wouldn't have been oh. HQ in 1967. But, <laughs> okay. <laughs> put it in the back of his Kingswood, mate. Try had to try. It might have been style side, you know. And then he, yeah, yeah he, had, he had this big, big bin, yeah, and took it down. Hey, um, it's nineteen sixty-seven. So that, so those fish, like, how how old that be? Fuck, Sixty plus years. We're getting, you know, fifty-five years now. That would not much. Uh, just a bit older than you, mate. But they're. Um, <laughs> 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 Had just a couple more, couple more birthdays than you, but not as many as Falkler. But no, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, yeah, no. Can't sledge people. I'm gonna pull back on that. Sorry. Yep. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, mate. You you wouldn't want um. Yeah, man. We we copped a bit of placard. You know what we should do, mate? We should we should come up with some sort of um, distance placard card that you can hand out for when people hear this on the podcast or, or maybe even see something on social media they don't like. You know, mm-hmm. like a. I don't know, like a like a like a butt hurt helper card or something. You just pull out your wallet next time you're butt hurt from something you've heard or, or seen, you know? Yeah, yes. <laughs> wave it around, go, you know, I'm hurt. Well, no, I don't mean wave it around like a red flag. I mean, get it out and it's got like a checklist there to, to soothe your temper, you know? Like first, first one to go, you know, um, is this person really affecting your life? No, I'm calming down slowly, you know? Is this... Uh, is it really that big a problem if there's 20 hashtags? Um, not really, I guess. Um, is it really aimed at me or could it be someone else? Could this all go away if you could just find someone to throw a leg over? Um, <laughs> probably. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe we should... Maybe we could... Add, <laughs> is my love of Wordle getting in my way? Oh... And, <laughs> Should I be fishing more instead of playing Wordle? I don't know, but there's—I mean, who knows, mate? We, maybe we could work on the wording of that card and laminate it, and then hand them out for Christmas presents or something. Like we could probably yeah. change lives. To be fair, the Wordle Nerdles, you know, they've been pretty good this year. But yeah, <laughs> mate. Well, I mean, My I don't, mean to, I don't mean to point out the obvious here, but the but the but the the whole uh, tongue-in-cheek thing about the butthurt card is that you know. Yeah. Nothing we say should be taken seriously or 90% of what you see on social media should affect your life. But, hey, 
There's no, mm. so, you know, I don't feel the need to explain to the world nerdles. I'm sure they've got thick enough skin and a sense of humour, right? <laughs> anyway, mate, moving on from there. Uh, you know, I should have had a caffeine before this podcast. I'm losing track of what we've been talking about in a big way. Yeah, uh, I have too. Oh, you're talking about um, Herman Nerman, right? The dude with the, the toga tank on the back yeah. of his HQ? Heymar, Heymar Midgley, he, he dropped the – we can thank him for his foresight there. And um, <laughs> You sure he wasn't Jewish? Oh, sorry, I got the word wrong. Yep. So sorry. Barumba is uh, – oh, by the way, have you heard there's a potential hydroelectric scheme proposed there? Not only have I heard about it, I'm actually one of the designers. Wow, really? Yeah. I had no idea that you're in a brains trust for anything. That's incredible. (laughs) What's what's going on up there? Run me through it briefly, and what do you think it's... Uh, what we're doing, Volts, is um, yeah. we've thought about long and hard and we've uh, we've mapped out and then done some um, community consultation leading up to this. And you know, all oh. things are pointing positive, mate. But essentially, it's, um, it's a lot of big words and jargon that, you know, someone like yourself probably wouldn't be too concerned with, mate. So, you know, I wouldn't let it, wouldn't let it worry you. The fact of the matter is, mate, that the uh, boat ramp will be there still and we'll still be able to catch Toga, but... Um, the wall might look a bit different. It's going to be a little bit higher, you know. I um, you know, I don't know how else to sort of explain all the nuts and bolts about uh, engineering to you, mate. But just just consider the wall a little bit higher, and there'll be another puddle up a little bit higher that will um, will feed the main dam through a series of aqueducts. Now, aqueducts is just a, a technical word for pipes, mate. Oh, right. So that aqueducts with a yeah. T. Yeah. yeah. No feathers involved. Just just think of yeah. pipes. Okay. From a high point to a low point, you know? Well, that's, that's I can relax now. The aqueducts has put me at ease. Um, I was worried they're going to use aqua chickens, but, uh, you know. Well, but, uh, hmm. well, why that? did the aqua chicken cross the road? <laughs> why? <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't think fast enough. Um, <laughs> anyway, back to the target chat. And um, yes, um, so yeah, no, the Brumba is an interesting, interesting case case study like that. Now, I think that um, you know, the, the, if you're up there, if you're up in any lake in, in Hins or any 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 lake where Saratoga don't have an apex predator in there to compete with, or even, well, I mean, you consider Barra, Sooties, uh, even the even the forktail caddies to be apex predators, essentially, wouldn't you? Would you say that, Volts? They would be right compared oh, to Bony yeah. Brim and Gar and all that sort of stuff. For I reckon sure. they're boss, man. Those things are, uh, they got a big mouth and an even bigger appetite. Three species I mentioned. Which one are you, me- which one are you talking about? The, the forkies? Yeah, the forkies, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Forking. Hell, man. They um, they really do go hard. They're pretty fun. Um, Anyway, yeah, I think I think anywhere that those fish are not, you'll find Toga running a bit deeper than you'd expect. I think that um, some of those lakes are pretty clear as well. And I think that, um, in my experience, the way I hunt them, I take the mindset that, um, Saratoga are uh, monitoring uh, a depth of water from the surface that enables them to be out of sight from from predatory birds or predators mm-hmm. full stop, but also to keep tabs enough tabs on what's happening from the surface to where they are. Like you said, their biology lends themselves to be looking up. You know, I don't know what, can't remember the terminology you used about the shape of their mouth and where their eyes are, but um, right. they're looking up. Then they're, they're not looking anywhere else. You know, but uh, yeah, they're they're very good hunters. There is a um, well, trout fishermen talk about um, the window of 
of visibility that a fish has, right, um, as it looks towards the surface. And it's um, uh, obviously the closer that fish is to the surface, the smaller its, uh, its window of visibility is. And, um, you know, it, that means the less prey it can see and also the less predators it can see. But, you know, hanging out at the top might be a, um, a riskier proposition. And also, like, you know, if there's, if there's animals below, like caddies or barra or something that can eat a toga, um, the closer they are to the surface, like the less visibility they'll have looking, you know, like from underneath, the thing could surprise attack and they'll be silhouetted against the surfaces. You know, they, um, they've got one less area to escape, you know, how tuna and predators yep. push the bait against the surface, that sort of effect. But the, um, yeah, that, that effect of being close to the surface and not being, um, well, sorry, the closer to you are to the surface reduces the window of vision. It's actually a phenomenon called Snell's window, not named after John Snell, but it's, mm. yeah, that's that's what it's called. Yeah. Mm. Yep. I have heard of that before. I um, I can vouch for that, people. Volty isn't making stuff up this time. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it's pretty different in the wild, though. If you get the if you get the opportunity to fish with toga in the wild, they're 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 a completely different animal. Great, it, they they um, you know, if you're a if you're a a homesick trouty, you're you're really in for a treat with uh, with a toga. That's for sure. It's, um, um, yeah, it's all it's all side fishing, and they're very very similar to 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 what I believe and what I hear. Um, brown trout, the way they eat, you know, they'll um eat from the rear and all that sort of stuff, but uh, but you know, there's the terrestrials and the bugs that they eat. You know, they'll pick up. You could easily fish from with, with a dry fly, 100%. Um, but I, for me personally, I, I like the uh, the streamer fishing type things. You know, I guess you could say I've really lent my sight fishing to wild fish to be from um, oh, a little bit from bass, but you know, salt salt water as well. I love feeding toga. I reckon toes are a great fly for um for uh, sight fishing toga. But uh, uh, one of the flies that's really come along for me. In that circumstance and even blind casting on surface is that master splinter i reckon that's a a cracker of a fly i used to love dahlberg's for him but man i reckon the master splinter's got got that beat eh? it's such a great fly we spoke yeah. about on the last toga 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 special i'm sure yeah, yeah i think i can remember it so it's um master splinter's obviously designed to resemble a you know a, a rat or you know some sort of swimming rodent right yeah rat mouse whatever swimming rodent yeah it's correct so it it's it's a fly that's been developed by um, by Joe Samelli. Um, so he's um, he's a podcaster from the United States, field and stream editor. Hook, hook, yeah. hook shots. He's, hook, he used to have a YouTube series called Hook Shots. Um, he's a good dude, but he's uh, but he developed that fly. It's super simple, and he and he talks about the benefit of that fly being super easy to tie, and it is super easy to tie. But he designed it for skating across the surface at night for for brown trout. That's what he uses it for. So. Okay. We don't do that for Toga. So, um, you know, for Toga, they just seem to like that thing to sit still. You know, like it's a great, it's a, for blind casting, it's great. If you're blind casting around for Toga in, in lakes or whatever, you know, give that thing 20 seconds. As, as painful and as hard as it is to watch that sun coming up at a rate of knots and have a fly sit there doing nothing for 20 seconds, the amount of Toga that have eaten those things at 16, 17 seconds is, is too hard to ignore. You, you won't get one chase one down. Let's put it that way. They'll only eat it when it's sitting still. If you see one of those master splinters sitting still in the water, like the, it's got a zonker tail and a, and a cross-cut zonker body, and it's just moving the whole time. Your fly's not your fly's not sitting still completely. I've watched Toga sit there and just stick their nose on it and just 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 try and touch it with their little meat goatee, you know? And um, 
<laughs> Meat Cody. Yeah. Yeah, they just they just suss it out and then once they once they've um once they're convinced that it's it's food, um they 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 hit it like they just they just don't want that thing to to, to live anymore, obviously, you know, but they just hit it like chucking a a brick in the water. It's crazy how hard they hit from that. So you, just, you just throw it out and leave it. No, no, you strip it. So, so I, the way I strip it is, you know, I cast it out. I'll work an area like I'll be like, you know, um, series like maybe three or four short strips. Then, then I'll, then I'll just sit there and I'll, I'll have to. I'm so fucking impatient at that time of the day. Like I'm never ever on time for the for the surface bite. I'm always late, and I'm watching that sun come up, and I know that as soon as that sun hits the water, that it's over. And that's this is by far my most favourite way to catch tiger for sure. And it's um with that master splinter. Um, so I chuck it out as far as I can, um, a good twenty feet. And um, <laughs> anyway, whatever whatever distance that is, and then I'll um you know strip, tick 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 yeah four three four five whatever strips, but just short stabby strips, and then I let it sit there. And, uh, you know, like there's, it used to be a rule of thumb with, um, I remember reading about with bass lures, which I've taken on to fly fishing, uh, in my later years, I can't remember who wrote that book, but anyway, um, it's fishing for bass on, and they used to talk about letting the rings go around it by a meter. Like that's what you do with Dahlbergs for bass and, and toga, but for the master splinter, 20 seconds just feels like an hour, you know, in that, that time of day. It's just, it's so, the anticipation's crazy. And then. Sometimes some mornings you don't get anything, and like every time that thing pauses, I'm on tender hooks, thinking this is it, it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen, and nothing happens. But uh, <laughs> but when it but it, but when it does happen, it's crazy. There's been time, <laughs> there's been mornings I've had where I'm fishing that that thing, and I'm like, ah, oh, well, the sun's coming up, it's not quite hitting the water, and I might chuck the fly out, and um and and get ready to start winding it in, and I might sit there and check my my phone or something like that, and the fly's been sitting out there for almost a minute, just sitting there. And then I just, I'm not watching it. I just hear this huge explosion and this fish has pulled the fly up, just hit on it and pulled the fly under the water and just not stayed hooked up, you know? Um, it's, it's just crazy. Like how they will only hit it when it's, it's still. Same with bass. Bass do the same thing with that fly. But, um, mm. Is that yeah. book you're thinking of? Is that John Bethune? Could be. What I think, I'm thinking of Greg, uh, um, the dude from Carpenter Safari. What's his name? Greg Bethune. Yeah. yeah, yep. What do you say, John? John Bethune. Yeah, he's a slightly older gentleman, I think. Yeah, I, think I, 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 I'm, I'm. It could be uh, Bass on Lures. A book's called. I'm pretty sure. Uh, okay. Oh, book. It's, it's. Yeah, I read it as a kid, like in the '80s. You know, it's old. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Cool, man. Well, were you born in the '90s, mate? No, I don't. I think you were a. 20 something in the in the 80s right <laughs> yeah man yeah no nah, it was actually in my yeah in my early 30s yeah it is you young whippersnippers don't understand mate when i uh when i dug brumber in 63 uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> pissed on the rock till it filled up yeah yeah, yeah absolutely Oh, yeah. But anyway, yeah, the master spoon is a great way to, to approach them. I think that's the best, the best popper going on fly for, for Saratoga. I really do. Okay, it's not you a got a size and favorite hook in it, or what? Yep, yeah. uh, it's bigger than you think. You know, I, I run a four o TR three thirty. Um, it's a big chunk of foam, 
And um, and that I actually wouldn't have had confidence in that unless I got shown. And uh, and I've got to give credit to my friend Steve McDonald, who I doubt probably listens to the podcast anymore. I'm not sure if he even fishes much anymore, you know. But um, I used to fish with him quite a bit, and he's the one who actually introduced me to to the Master Splinter, and um, and he's the one who sort of started to you know develop a bigger. And he was what he was doing by getting it bigger and bigger was eliminating bass and small tiger. And mate, the big tiger fucking hit it, man. He got some. It's not unusual. It's not uncommon for um, for a fish in the mid seventies to eat that thing like that. You know, that's for mm-hmm. sure. There's probably more mid seventies to late seventies fish have, uh, have been eaten, have eaten a master splinter than anything under that. Particularly that four arrow hook. They love it, eh? It's uh, I've I've been in the wild before. I remember fishing with Andy Bolch. I remember showing him like um, with legit sight fishing fish with that master splinter, just crossing their path and just tick 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 till it was in this path, and then predicting where it was going to pass. And you don't have to wait maybe five seconds by the time it got to it, but as soon as they saw it, man, like they got within 200 mil of it and they just accelerate towards it and not even look at it, not even take a second to think about it, just push, just eat it, eh? It was, it was awesome, very fun. I think I got a video up on my Instagram page of, of catching one on Master Splinter. We just, we, we, yeah, it's, you can, as you know, like things have got to get pretty good for you. Well, they do for me to be able to stop and film a fish eat, you know, it's got to be a pretty good day. And, that particular day, one particular day there when we filmed, they were just they were just all over those master splinters. It was good fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, speaking, it's funny, man. Like, um, yeah, speak, speaking of, uh, you said catfish. A catfish said it'd be big enough to eat a toga. That that particular day, saw saw a rig catfish try and eat a toga. That was a good six centimeter toga. Still try to eat it. Crazy big fish, eh? Some yeah, those right. wild, some of those wild catfish. Yeah, that that would be a really big one. They get good. bigger than that. I think again that that dude we're going to call Will. He's got a pitch in the same river as that meter toga. He's got a picture of him holding. I think it's a ninety a ninety five centimeter um, forktail catfish on a five weight. Just a huge slob of an animal, man. It's just just crazy. <laughs> it's such a big animal. Looks just a big ugly jabber the heart looking ugly and slimy spiky animal. Yuck. God. Can't imagine they would have pulled. Yeah, I'll. I don't even know where I could even begin to find it. I might ask Will. I'll see if I can find that as well. I'll ask him about that meter. I might text him while we're on the show. Super unprofessional, but he'll he'll reply. I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, that'd yeah. be cool. I, I think. You know, I, I'd I'd love to see something that big. I just genuinely would love to see what it looks like. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to text him now. While I gotcha. You can fill in the dead air, mate. We reckon. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah, I'm, I find it hard to do two things at once, too, you know. So, you know, if, if the uh, podcast is ever <laughs> quiet, it's just because, you know, I'm doing well, something. Yeah, you're yeah. watching some breeding videos, eh, or something like that? Is that what you mean? Saratoga breeding. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yep. Um, yeah, so looking at some uh, some boat anchors now. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that right? Do you want to describe those anchors? <laughs> I <laughs> have some uh, lithium power, ba- uh, sorry, lithium uh, battery boxes. I don't know what really? Lithium batteries? Any yeah, devices this, this that one. are battery powered? Uh, no, no, no. Right, this, not um, that at the moment. 140 okay. amp hours, it's a lot of lot of amps for wow. a long time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. What yeah. would you be able to power with something like that? Oh, min coated for four or five days. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. That'd, that'd go all right, eh? <clears throat> yep. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so anyways, um, 
the uh, bigger bigger targets sometimes uh, hit hit the top. Also down deep. I know you've um, you've been working on a well. You came across a fly for a while. It's no secret the leech. Um, and Jesus so, leech. Jesus leech. Tell us about the genesis of the Jesus leech. Sound impressive. Okay. Still want to hear it? Yeah, I still want to hear it. Yeah. All right. So, um, pretty. It's a pretty. Uh, it's probably not the story most people would expect. You know, it doesn't come from observations of time on the water or, you know, anything like that. Um, it came from um, <laughs> a bad place. Uh, not really a bad place, but um, you know, maybe we should have had the butthurt cards back then. Let's put it that way, you know. Uh. Um, and so, me, I, when I was fishing with do Steve McDonald, we were fishing together a lot for a while there. Um, uh-huh. I was rebuilding the whaler at the time, so I didn't have a boat, and and um, I introduced him to Barumba and showed him how to catch toga, and we used to spend a lot of time there. I liked being up there, and he he was liking learning the fishery. It was good, it was a good relationship. But um, at that time, we were new to social media as well. Like, uh, only just sort of. I don't know when it was, maybe 2015 or something like that. It was new to Instagram, you know, could have been 2015, something like that. Well, I, I don't think it might be 16, but I don't think it was 14, but like, I'm pretty sure it was 2015, around about that time. Anyway, um, you know, so we were, we were noticing that, like, you know, people were, it was frustrating to watch people copycatting um, or, like, you know, which is something some of these pitfalls you didn't understand about social media back then, I suppose. Um, that you know, if you put pictures up with fishing that with the background, people are going to hunt it down and find your spot, or or do exactly what you're doing and, and stuff like that. And we asked, we had our suspicions of this stuff, and we the the easel leech was kind of a trap, you know. Um, I said to Maka, I'm gonna I'm gonna go home, and and then when we come up tomorrow, I'll um I'll have this fly tied that that I'll make up, and we'll just we'll just talk about it being the latest and greatest thing, and and all that sort of stuff. We'll catch some fish on it, but. We'll talk about it just being like a must-have. So we started using it, and it was killing it. It was just raining fish. Like, you know, a couple of sessions were really good, but it hadn't been around long enough for us to sort of think that it was it was anything special, I guess. But um, it just started to really work. So, you know, like after a while of talking about how good it was, it was legit, you know. It was really just working really well. So it's just a simple tie. You know, it's just, just a strip of Zonka, which – you know, likens us to a leech, I suppose. But, um, you know, I didn't even realize of the, of, I had to sort of break down the effectiveness after it started to be effective rather than understand what would be effective and build a fly to suit, if you know what I mean, which is more of a, more of a, um, uh, you know, a genesis story to a successful fly. You know what I mean? Right. So, they look at it and go, well, why is this fly working so well, I guess? Um, I mean, you've seen them in the water. Like, they they almost walk the dog under the water, you know, because they're because the because the way they're tied, like, there's, they're, a, they're a bobtail leech, you know, I guess you could say. So, mm. with the hook that you use for it, um, you know, not only is it a good gauge for toga, which is an interesting discussion as well, which is probably suited to a lot of different fish in regards to hook gauge or whatever, but, mm. um, you know, being being the bend of the hook being right at the back of a longish shanked hook put the weight at the rear as as opposed to being at the front and so we just sort of use that weight as like an anchor point and the head would go from left to right like realistically but having all that zonka there just accentuated that that movement so there's a, a lot a lot of action and that um and that that collar just 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 the pulse water like i guess no two ways about it. just probably just pumps out a heap of vibration but that 
the amount of water that fly pushed was quite surprising. Like you'd bring it up near the surface and it'd just have like a, um, I don't know, like a little pressure wave that'd come up from it all the time. It was just a real, um, a real loud fly under the water, I suppose. So prior to that, you know, we were using uh, Andy's Toga Destroyers. That was that was the premium fly. Lead nuts there. I mean, I guess earlier than that, it was woolly buggers and uh, rust buckets. Like Pete, Pete Swanson's rust buckets were popular before the Andy's Toga Destroyer. That's another fly I was lucky enough to be Johnny on the spot during the development of that one as well. I guess so. It was um that was interesting to see the Yeezus leech how effective, how quickly, uh, quickly and effective that thing became compared to even the Toga Destroyer, which is still an effective fly. I just think that the Yeezus leech is better because of that bob tail. I think I really think it probably pushes a little bit more water, but those fish have got a habit. If you've if you've got any tail on a Yeezus leech, like you know ten mil even, those fish will find that and miss the hook. You know, but if it's cut right down to nothing, the hookup rate's incredibly different. Yeah, right. Yep. Yep. It's yeah. pretty it's pretty amazing. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've um I've witnessed firsthand how effective the, the leech is and you know, as you know I've been tying a lot, I've used a lot. Um you know, um, I love it. It's it's one of my favourite flies. It's such a utilitarian fly, so um one of the things I particularly love about it is hook-up rate compared to other things, and everything makes sense. You know, big, big hook at the back of the fly, like you pointed out. Um, you know, it's great exposure. Um, uh, the wire gauge is important too. Like, uh, you know, prior to that, I was using a lot of SL12S um, number twos, which is a finer gauge wire. But if I ever went up to a, a 1 my hook-up rates, um, well, sorry, my, my dropped fish rates increased a lot. They just kept coming out, you know, or not. Yes, mm. were they coming out? They weren't going in. More to the point, you know. Um, and you know, I, I, I think that needle point on um, on that at the moment. What um, what hook are we using? Is it Arex? Um, so it's the it's the Arex PR PR three thirty Aberdeen hook. So it's you know, even in the name, like uh, you know, like you said, you use an SL twelve S. I personally, I've been. I, I used to fish that a lot place like with Andy when when that Andy's Toga Destroyer was getting made and and before the Toga Destroyer Andy was using SL12Ss but I was using B, B10Ss um, so I used to use a lot of B10Ss another Gamakatsu hook and um, you know people will know that that sh- that hook is super sharp but like you said there that, you know when you're starting to observe going up a bit it's the difference in gauge like the PR330 is a super thin wire like it's it's ultra thin but um, yeah. I think a lot of the reason Here's what I think. Like people say things like, um, you know, toga throw hooks, toga throw hooks all the time, and you'll find the conventional guys saying that all the fucking time, right? And I think that um, I think that what's underestimated a lot is how much pressure you need in a short period of time to be able to make that hook penetrate over the barb. If a hook doesn't go over the barb, uh, you know, a fish could throw it. I actually don't. I crush the barbs on that. I mean, they're a micro barb on that PR three thirty. I go barbless because of the effectiveness of watching that finer gauge go in. So you realize that the, the thinner the diameter, provided it could, the, the hook can handle the strength of the fish, is going to be more effective. And, and a barb just increases the diameter, in my opinion, you know? Um, yeah, so I think that that's the way to go. I've Yeah, so, I mean, I don't, I don't like hurting them either. You know, like sometimes if you get close to their eye or something like that, I just, I, I hate hurting them, man. I, I, I really, it's probably the one fish I feel the, the worst about hurting, you know? That's for sure. Yeah. I I go into it realizing it's a blood sport and all that sort of stuff, but yeah, I mean, I'm 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 quite happy. I'd be happy to 
I, I very rarely drop fish, man, with that with that crushed barb. I, I highly recommend. It. I would I would even wager I've caught more fish since crushing the barb than 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 having a barb. I reckon. And the point of it is not so much to, to not hurt the fish, which I'm happy about, but the point of crushing the barb is to is to put the hook into more fish. So I think that when conventional guys talk about them throwing the hook all the time, I think that you know, like the pressure it takes to be able to bury two hooks or three hooks or or more more than one hook point compared to one hook point like in a fly is is so much greater. And those fish are, sometimes are so quick to react, to jump and, and shake their head that you don't you just don't have the time, you know? got you got to you got to give yourself you got to give yourself the best chance with those fish being a bony mouth you know like as you pointed out from the start of the show and the only way to really do that is to just ensure that the hook is going to go in the best way and obviously as as obvious as this sounds you know the the thinner the gauge or the thinner the needle you know the uh the easier it's gonna it's gonna poke in yeah right i mean everyone would understand that so the the pr330 was what that Actually, I think I started tying that leech on a on a TP610, which is a thicker gauge thicker gauge hook. It's still a great hook, a great bass hook, but I'm pretty sure that's what I started tying it. Actually, I might have even start tying it on a partridge hook. You did. You were using yeah, yeah. yeah that would have been the uh, Predator X. Then I yep. would have tied that on. Uh actually no, no. Partridge had a similar, a very similar hook to the ARX, um, an Aberdeen type hook with a thin wire. It wasn't the Predator X. Yeah, it was. Um, it's pretty thin. But yeah. I put back at him up. I, uh, in my in my tying desk, I was looking at the other day. And, um, you prefer the A-Rex one? <coughs> oh yeah, the, the, the yeah, hundred percent. The A-Rex is a way better hook than the partridge hook for sure. Way better hook, and um, you know things really start like I mean you're starting to make those micro changes, and you start to see them. You know, I've actually started. To, I went up the other day and I tried a different hook for the first time. Um, I actually didn't get to fish it. I kept the I kept the, the one I tied with the PR. I tried a bigger leech. I try stuff all the time. I get bored. We're using those using those leeches i know they work um i've caught heaps of fish on them myself you've caught heaps of fish on them i mean jesus man like um you and i won a tournament based on on just leeches you know and and yeah. notice will be above head and shoulders above everyone else you know the, the leeches are definitely the the go um but i get bored with it it just seems to be a bit you know it's working it's a bit it's uh, uh, tiger fishing is not predictable fishing is not predictable but it seems to catch a fish on a leech after fishing it for so long, seems a bit ridiculous. So the other day I went up there with a, a 4.0 version. So the PR330 4.0 is the biggest one they got. So I just tied this motherfucker massive leech on just to see if it gets eaten. But I also had some small leeches I want to try. Um, Arex had got um, a TP610, a 605, which is called. So it's a long shank version. Um, so I just want to try that as well, but I didn't get a chance. I think they want to work as well. I think that, I think a big difference is between the B10S and these Aberdeens is that stinger pattern for some reason. I don't, I know the stinger pattern's going to work on fish that eat and turn their head, you know, and all that sort of stuff. And, mm. but I think that, um, you know, when you need to react so quick to toga, like we mentioned, like you've got only a short amount of time to set the hook in, that Aberdeen just seems to find that point so much easier, probably because of their shape of their mouth. You know, I don't know, it's so unique compared to other fish, but that, uh, that Aberdeen pattern is, um, is king for those fish, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, you know, SL12S is a type of stinger. The B10S is a type of stinger. Um, the Predator X, I'm pretty sure, was a type of stinger as well. The uh, the TP610 or 605 rather, it's a bit heavier gauge hook, but it's a hybrid, an Aberdeen stinger hybrid. I don't know how it'll go, but I'd be willing to, you know, um, test it for all of us. 
<laughs> yeah, man. I tell yeah. you, man, like, uh, there's been some derivatives of it, like that bigger leech I said yesterday, but um, I'm really leaning towards um, another fly that it's a derivative of that that have, like, um, started to lean towards and getting probably better results, and that's the, the sex leech, I call it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a, not a name I'm proud of, but it seems to be the most appropriate because it's a cross between, like, a, a, a little bit a little bit sex, sex dungeon-ish, with the deer hair head and uh-huh. um, like a tandem leech, if you like, you know. Oh, yeah. that thing moves, man! That thing, that thing moves, wags its tail so so incredibly well. It's you've seen how how much a single hook wags, you know, like that that leech. But if you think of a, a, a smaller stinger hook off the back of that, it just kicks from side to side. But they love it. I've been fishing those things up to six inches, six inch long, six probably even a tad bit longer, I guess, if you look at the tips of the hair. And and they they love it. It's amazing how big they bigger fly they eat. We used to go there with those rust buckets back in the day that were tied on like um, you know number number four B10s is like bass vampire size hooks, and that's what we'd use for toga. They'd eat the shit out of that too. But um, actually that's a pretty good subject, I suppose. But yeah, getting back to that, that sex leech is a big fly. Like they'll eat it if you can cast it. They'll they'll probably eat it. You know? Yep. Well, they got big mouths, eh? Yeah. They can fit a lot in. But. In saying that, some of the wild areas I fish, they won't eat anything that's that's not much bigger than a trout fly. You know, again, those fish are sitting around foraging insects off the surface, and when they, some of those wild fish, when you when you caught them, they'll spew up, and they just spew up like a a mass of black specks. You know, just beating up spiders and beetles and stuff like that. You know, but they won't eat. They won't eat a toad. They definitely won't eat a yeezus leech. Like if you chuck a yeezus leech around in some of those wild rivers, you'll just catch a hundred catfish. That's all. Okay. You know, um, you, you wouldn't take Jesus leeches into some of the wild rivers for sure, you know. Um, you can feed them toads. Definitely there's plenty of days you can feed them toads and stuff like that. But um, but some days, man, they get so so finicky and they just they just won't eat. Last time I went and fished um, the Mackenzie River, I was taking some of Andy Bolt, like a little bit bigger version of um, Andy Bolch's damsel, the carp damsel. Okay. And that worked really well. Really, really well. Um, yeah, last time we will. Um, you know, he um, he caught really, he he did really well on them as well. But they were a little bit big for him. You know, so probably the size that Andy's using for carp would have been what what you know Will would use. Very surreal having a, like a, a size ten NS one twenty two, which is like a Arex's version of like an uh, B ten S, and you're tying a twenty pound leader on it. It barely fits through the eye of the hook. You know, crazy. Yeah. 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 So it's they're very white. They're very varied. Yeah, they're just a a fish that's just such a worthy opponent for fly fishing, and it, not unlike trout, I guess. You know, when when guys talk about the study of entomology and adapting to what trout, the way trout carry on, I, as you know, like as listeners will know, I, you know, and and as you know, like I'm not very at all experienced with trout. In fact, I love sledging on people who fish for trout. But I would imagine that the way that you've got to adapt to toga on the day is probably very similar, particularly in some of those wild areas. To, to learning the entomology of the of the local area. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah, but but I don't know why the um they were I'm sure in the wild they would react to like a, a sex leech, like a six inch fly. Right? I'm sure they'd probably eat it on their day on their days. But there's just so much bycatch there that you would it it'd just be unlikely. You know, there's you're fishing sex leech, I fish it on a fast sink line, like the Cortland um Type six, uh, sink six, it's called, 
And um, I've always fished fast sink. Well, in recent years, that's all I do is fish fast sink lines. Like you said earlier, go deep, go early. I and I go fish. I fish master splinters if I get there super early, but it won't take long for me to change to fast sink. That's for sure. So, um, but you couldn't do that in the wild. If you're in the wild, you, you're fishing deeper than a meter. Meow. Just catfish down. Yeah. Catfish. <laughs> yeah. That's well played, man. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, I oh, will just go back to me then. One of these. I did send that. Will. He's just, the dude just ki- catches so many fish, he just kills a day. And, um, and he, uh, I asked him for pictures of that catfish on the 5 and that meter toga. And he just sends me the fish he's been catching today or something. And I'm, God, he makes me jealous, that dude. Such a good angler. Um, uh, actually, he, he sent a picture of an alligator guy he caught, caught there. That, so to give you an idea of, I'll send it to you now. Um, to give you an idea of, you, I mean, you can tell the listeners what you're looking at. To give you an idea of the alligator gar that are, that are in that system, that, they, that the tiger are competing with. Got it yet, mate? Here we go. Adam's Ranga. Oh. oh, he sent the catfish. I got that. I'm going to send that to you now. You can tell listeners if this is legit or not, mate. Yeah, it's a, it's a decent-looking alligator gal, mate. Yeah. So, yeah, okay, so he tells me the tiger is on the PML website. That's Pimp, Pimp My Lure, that stands for. Okay, on their website. Yep. Um, not on their Facebook page? Well, I'm just going to... I could read out what Will sent again, if you want. Um... I had a look earlier. I can't even find their their um. I can find their their Facebook page. I don't know. They have a a .com .au type thing, but maybe they don't anymore. He's probably not. <clears throat> Will's not on the internet, mate. Like really, really. At the end of the day, I think he used to work for that dude, and um, you know, um, or was sponsored by him or something at one stage. But yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, that's something for another time. Um. Anyways. Did you see the catfish? Holy crap. Look at that. Holy shit. Look at the gut on that thing, eh? Yeah, it's just a big slob, ugly, jab of the heart thing. And that's a five weight. That's a stream dance five weight. Got that on. Could you imagine how hard that thing would have gone? Yeah. Yeah. He's a nice camo able there, too. The fish finish. I don't know which. That looks good. Look at the whiskers on that. He could shove his whole fist in that thing's mouth. Easy. Wouldn't get it back. Yeah, he could, he could, what do they call it? Um, noodling. He could noodle that fish. <laughs> if, there, if, there wasn't the, if there wasn't the risk of crocs there. <laughs> <laughs> well. But yeah, so, so yeah, I don't. I don't um, uh, th- did you have a look for that website? Oh, just briefly. Um, yeah. Um, I'm just going on Instagram, see if it's there. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway, so keep talking. Um, yeah, there's no, I can't see it. I don't think there's a website from him. off his head. He's probably lost that photo. It's pretty old, I'd imagine. Yeah, well, uh, but it's, it's legit, man. I'm telling you, that that's um, it's a it's a, a meter plus toga on a mat. 100%. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I might have been, I might be in big trouble for mentioning um, names and, rough locations so just pretend listeners you didn't hear some of that stuff as far as places and names of people okay 
Okay. And I'll and in the meantime I'll send that person we're talking about maybe one of those butt hurt cards. <laughs> <laughs> Take it easy, bro. Easy. <laughs> um. Yeah. So yeah, so it's pretty interesting. I don't I don't know, man. If we're um, I'd like to think we're we're helping people. There's been some there's been some good good factoids coming out, man. So you were you were up at Brumber the other day, right? Yeah, mate, I got... Um, you got a good fatty, I saw, too. Yeah, yeah, he's he a good one. Um, uh, was, we measured him out, um, well, later on, like you were measured against the right. I I was guilty of, of being all shaky, hey. I, um, that fish gave me a proper high because the story behind that was um, when I started fly fishing, one of the first fish I got, decent fish, was um, a 65 at Barumba. And, um, you know, it... Brumba as a place and Saratoga as a target species always, you know, got got me, uh, you know, a bit fish horny. And um, and um, I love that place. I like the fish. And it took me a few years to even equal that. Like a 65 is a decent fish. Um, but it's, you know, it's not necessarily big on it It's, it's for there. Uh, but it was something I was, you know, how it was pretty proud of and, you know, um, took me a long time to get another 65. And then... Um, uh, that was Australia Day year 2000, actually, and you know, so to give you an idea of that, and then I, I finally got a, I jumped from 65 to 74 and a bit, 74 and a half, and in that token comp with you, um, you know, and that that was a great fish too. I really, you know, it's one that that I was carrying a memory around for a long time. Still didn't make biggest fish though, I believe, right? <laughs> I'll let you have that. Yeah, 75. I think I yeah. might have won that tournament and got biggest fish that comp. But hey, man, it was good having you on the boat, though, right? Oh yeah, man. No. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for the fish lesson. Uh, oh, I've, no I've, worries, mate. I've My never done so well on bass. Yeah, you know. It was but, a good bass um, you got that day, though, mate. Yeah, oh, that's right. Yeah, it was a. That was um. It was a big bass. I'd also, yeah. hmm, anyways. So yeah, uh, the other day, yeah, I hooked hooked a big one, landed it. Uh, I knew straight away it was big. That big one's fight different. Um, uh, and um, actually got you know what a guy otaku is. Guy otaku. Yeah, guy guy otaku is G Y O. Oh, the um, yeah, the art. Yeah, yeah, Japanese fish art. I got a digital uh, version of that made, you know, which obviously doesn't require the fish to die. Um, and uh, so you take your photo to this guy. You can find him on Instagram, Digitaku. And um, he reconstructs the fish, even right down to the, you know, the individual scars, because this one had been involved in a bit of breathing. Um, you can actually check it out on my Insta page. As, um, what is your Insta page, dude? Faulty underscore fly fishing. I'm and, sorry, uh, I didn't hear that the first time. A bit of interference there. Can you say it one more time? Faulty underscore fly fishing. Yeah. yeah. Check, check it out there and, and look one for of the, me. One of the greatest pages on Instagram, I must add, mate. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Stunning. Some of the most... You're Some of the most good. stunning duck faces I've seen um, <laughs> <laughs> ever since I stopped following the Kardashians. Um, yeah, yeah, so go search for it on, on Insta and on YouTube too. It's all happening over there. So, on YouTube? Um, yeah. Anyways, what's, your, the, what's your YouTube the, channel called, mate? Pulsey Fly Fishing. Pulsey Fly Fishing? Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyways, the Tiger, uh, I was I was stoked and uh, I, got a, I got a real, uh, like a one-to-one scale um, Digitaku, mate, and it looks fucking great. Um, I was just a bit, I wouldn't say dishonest with my wife. I just got it done and then told her about it because you can't really hide big fish on the wall. Um, but she no. saw a couple of the story behind it. And 
she was stoked, hey? She was like, yeah, that's really good. So, yeah, that, yeah. Was, a, that was a fish that I put a lot of time into. Um, and, uh, you know, people have caught larger ones, clearly. Um, but for me, that was, you know, I was pretty happy with that. I hope, I hope I'm not, not waiting another 20 years to hang on to a bigger one. So, uh, no, mate, you'd be right. I'm sure. I'm sure you'll get no. I'm sure you'll look, man. Bra- breaking eighty at that place for some reason is just a a real hoodoo, man. Eh? you know, it's um, yeah. you know, there's been there's been a lot of fish, you know, caught around, you know, that like um, you know, that late seventies, but just breaking that eighty centimeters is just a whole seems to be another whole level level, you know. It's um, yeah. it's quite quite bizarre. It really is. There's definitely. There's definitely, I mean, obviously the sample net for the DPI, you know, but um, yeah, that's 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 a that's a huge fish. There's obviously a lot bigger fish in there, you know, but I tell you, that's um, and there's a lot in there too, you know. Like uh, I remember we talked about on the show um, that I was there one one morning and watching these guys gill netting to collect collect fish to put into Bulgara, I believe it was, you know. So oh, I watched yeah. those I watched those guys net, you know, and they were um. Because I didn't, I thought they were illegal netters first. I, I was videotaping on my on my on my phone, and once yeah. I got to the boat ramp, that I realised that they had a permit to do it and stuff. Um, <clears throat> so <laughs> it was pretty surreal. Like, you're out in the water and you think that there's these hillbilly dudes that are netting toga to eat. You know, like hey, mate, are you, are you serious? You're, you're that hard up that you need to net toga to eat? Horrible. Um, <laughs> but but they didn't. They they got a lot of fish and they were only running like a thirty meter net. One dude was swimming it out around. And then I'll bring it back into the boat like a, a bait net, and I'll just doing that in areas, you know. Pretty wow. amazing. Yeah, I don't, right. how, I don't know how many fish they got, but 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 when what I saw in their tank, they probably had, I don't know how long they. Were. Well, I probably came in about mid morning, and they already had about twenty. Cripes, that's a lot, yeah. eh? And yeah. were they um? Were, sorry, what was the biggest one you saw there? If you had to get oh, uh, yeah, that that. Nothing. Oh, they were all they were all around similar size. To be honest with you, they're probably the probably smallest one I've probably seen was probably an estimated maybe sixty centimeters, and the biggest ones were probably late seventies. You know, they could have been a couple of bit bigger, but it's hard to tell when they're swimming around in a tank and it's dark. You know, you know it's not not super well lit. You're only looking in from the top too. It's like a big fiberglass tank that's fed with an oxygen tank. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So it's uh, pretty interesting. But um, look, they're. they're yeah, I mean they're pretty accessible. If you have, if if you if you're listening to this and you already live in an area that's wild, so you already know where to go. Um, if you're if you're traveling and you go past Central Queensland, like around Rockhampton area, like you, you'd be crazy not to go check it out. That's for sure. Yeah, Rumba's probably, you know, not going to be not going to. It was not an easy fishery, not anymore, it, and it never really has been. But it's 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 university level now. That's for sure. You know. You'll definitely have days where you get there and and it'll be it'll be going off, you know for sure. But you know I I speak to people who, who have a cracker day their first day there and they go I'm going back and then um they quickly get pants for another three days of donuts, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it can be it can be very difficult. It's is no doubt Barumba has suffered from the internet well and truly from the pressure of social media. It's just caned it, caned it. There's been times where I mean, we're talking about a local puddle here, and I'm sure this is not unique. I'm sure there's there's dams and lakes and even saltwater boat ramps all around Australia that's got the same story. But used to go to Brumbury, like um, I stopped fishing on the weekends years and years ago. But you know, you'd rock up there at a Tuesday morning, um, four o'clock in the morning or something like that, or and there'd be no one there, and you wouldn't see anyone. You'd come back to the boat ramp, and there'd be another car in the car park, maybe. 
back in the old days, you know, like maybe before 2010, so, you know. Um, but now, it's been, I get I get to the boat ramp and it's, the sun's not even up yet and I've got to line up to launch the boat. It's just, it's ridiculous, you know. It, so it's just not, you know, I'm, I'm still happy to fish it. I just see it as a, it's a little bit of a, I just don't like people. I just don't, I don't think it's going to really, um, the fish will wise up. They, they're so, they adapt so fast in that, in that time frame between when Bone Boom put in there and, and, um, and the social media um, pressure, the whole, the, the fishing's changed. If you if you've gone there and caught fish ten years ago, it would take it would be like it would be like starting from the start again to go and fish it now. You know if you if, if you're listening to this and you're like uh, I used to fish Barumba back in the early two thousands or mid to mid two thousands or whatever, um, and you think you could rock up and just do the same thing again, I'm afraid you're going to be sad, sadly mistaken. There was there was times we used to rock up there and it'd just be a floating line only because everything was sight fish. Now. I don't. I don't only pack a floating line for that surface session in the morning, and that even that, even that to get one fish doing that would be epic. And it doesn't happen every time. That's for sure. Yeah, right. yeah. It, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, that's probably why it's my favourite way to catch them because it's 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 not super rare. It's it's totally doable, but it's not every time. You know, you know what I mean. It's just um, yeah. it's just that, like you could. It's not something you. I, I rock up there with that master, for master splinter bite. And I don't expect a fish. I like to I like to try to do it, but if I don't catch anything, I'm like, well, that's kind of half of the course. You know? But when it does happen, it's like, well, holy shit, that was wicked. Like they crash, it's just epic. I love it. Love it. Great. Yeah. I love it, man. Yeah. It's a good yeah. spot. And they're a great yeah. fish. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I mean the, well, the techniques that we're describing is you like you live in a lake live near a lake that, that's got toga in it. I think maybe um I know lentils has got toga in it as well. Um, not very many. I think um, Lake Gregory as well, and the Isis has got toga in it as well. It does, yep. At, at Bundaberg. Um, Warama, I think, has got toga in it as well. And it's got Barra as well. And the Eidsvold. Yep. Um, but obviously, you know, the, the big three is um, is Kenya, Barumba, and Hins. Uh, Kenya suffers from a lot of pressure too. Like, from the, I fished that place not long after that, that damn hot video came out when. Um, uh, Matt Fraser was up there with, I think it was Gordon McDonald. Yeah, okay. And, and the lake was, the la- I fished it that, that first time I fished it was like 7%, it was super low. And it was awesome. It was, it was, there was a lot of fish and they were very happy, very, very happy fish. But I went back there maybe, maybe three or four years ago. Very difficult after that. It was very much like Barumba. But, you know, I was only there for a week, so things could change. They get pretty moody. Lakes are pretty good. I reckon the, the rivers the rivers are good as well. The rivers are, are better, in fact. But um, it's a, a lot more. The, the Fitzroy Basin is so susceptible to floods, and it's such a big system that where you're going to launch the boat might not have even had rain for a month, but dirty water will come from up upstream somewhere from miles and miles away. It might take a week to get there, but it will get there and it will just completely ruin the visibility to the point it's, it's one-inch visibility. I'll tell you something else. I saw a toga, a toga do that was quite weird, which is which is something I've never seen another species do. And as you know, before we started the report, that my friend Bo was trying to ring me. He saw this as well, so it wasn't just me who saw it. But we were we were in the Isaacson, and there was like an algal bloom, and the 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 you think algal would be green, but the the water looked like like a really milky coffee. You know, it was almost white, 
but you mm. couldn't see. Like you'd stick your index finger into the into the water up to your middle knuckle, you wouldn't see your fingernail. I guarantee it was so dirty. Anyway, we're we're just out having a look anyway, and both of us saw this toga. It must have been right at the surface, but the water's so dirty you couldn't see it. But it arched its back, so it dipped the middle of its back, and it stuck its eye out, and a tip of its tail came out as well, and it looked at us, and then and then and then bailed, like took off really fast. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I know it sounds. You know? I know it sounds like we were picking mushrooms just before it. You know, and I swear it didn't talk to us. It, I swear to God, mate, that, that thing. <laughs> for real, you dad. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real though, man. It uh, it was the most bizarre thing, and I went, I can't. You should have seen what I just seen, and then Bo's gone. I saw that too. This, the toga looked at us, right? Stuck its head out of the one. I'm like, yeah. So um, pretty weird, man. They do some, they do some incredible stuff. It's pretty strange. That's probably the only other situation that we haven't talked about. And if you're lucky enough to know someone with a property, because um, all these all these places are on properties like you, and you find a lagoon that's running off a river that's got toga in it, whew, that's the lottery, man. That's where some of the, that's the best toga fishing I've ever had in those sort of areas like that. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. Those fish are, are there's there's we fished one lagoon there once. I remember um, in Central Queensland. There, I won't give away too much. Um, um that was a property owner and a dude a dude it's the property had been in this dude's family since federation and um we asked him if anyone had fished and he goes oh i don't think anyone fishes down there he reckons he took his grandson there with some prawns one year uh many years ago and they got some he called them barramundi they're they're all those old school dudes out in that area call them barramundi spotted barramundi they call them um they eat them they used to eat them i guess but um really anyway yeah that that people eat spotted barramundi yeah okay Anyway, and um, yeah, so we fished that we fished that place, and mate, I'll, I'll give you an idea of how happy those fish were. We we went and had a look at it before we launched there the next day, and we, we just had a four drive, and we, we went and found it. Um, my friend Bo's dad, Scott, his name was, we just carried a spin rod with a spinner bait, yeah. and um, walked down to the um to the edge of this lagoon. It was like a second cut. You know how rivers have got like the um like the mainland, they got a dip down, and they got a second cut, like where where the water might sit a bit higher sometimes like a little flat plateau not a big mm. deal but he was standing on that and the water was sort of you know about a foot away from his feet like it's, it's flat and there's like a small drop down anyway he chucked his spinnerbait out and just screamed back across the surface like super fast not intending to catch anything and this tiger just haunted it down like just keeping up just super fast just wanted it more than anything else and then and then that tiger sat there cutting figure eights at his foot at his feet like a like a dog waiting for you to throw the ball again Chucked the chucked the spinner bait. This thing tracked it in the air to where it landed, and he and he, he only just managed with a spinning reel to keep it out of that fish's face. So wow. it was a, it was amazing. Those fish have, had literally never seen an angler, and that fishing was incredible. That was that was that was incredible. So one of the one, this a different lagoon, but the same sort of area. The first day we launched, we launched in this little um, little like a like a two meter tinny, like this tiny little car top with an electric motor on the transom. Uh-huh. And, and I'm standing up on one of the steps and, and my friend Bo's just driving driving the electric motor and I'm looking over his shoulder and I can see this uh, I can see this togo that was at the back of the boat. I'm like, look at that. And he leaned over. This togo's just nudging its little meat goatee up against the propeller, like just sussing it out. It was, yeah. they just were not, were not scared of anything. Like anything that landed, they were straight onto it. Like they were not used to danger coming from the sky to, to eat at all. Never. So... To see that sort of behaviour, that sort of untouched behaviour, to the other end of the extreme, to see the way the fish behave in Barumba, they're a very, very smart and adaptable fish. That's for sure. Yeah. Okay. 
So don't beat yourself up when you get a donut at Barumba. Go seven times in a row. <laughs> I had a cracker. I had a crack up there when I went up there this week and um, had um, had a great, a great, one of the most luckiest um, times I've ever had up there. It was, um, <laughs> it wasn't good. Tell me um, about it. Doesn't sound, um, doesn't sound promising, mate. When you said lucky, uh, I guess you're being sarcastic. Yeah, it wasn't awesome. Couldn't sleep the night before. Literally had about an hour's sleep to, to get on the road at about 2.30 in the morning. And then um, I get up there and I see, um, he's, I'm sure he's listened to the show, um, Josh Sullivan, nice guy. And uh, my spot that I had planned to go, I saw him at the boat. He was the first on the water. And then I uh, said to him, hey, which, which way are you going? He goes, I'm going to go to the left. Uh, okay. Any far? He goes, yeah, probably probably a fair way up. I'm like, oh, he's going to run over where I want to go. I might just go up the other arm. So I already lost my spot. They get up there and um and, and, and I got a fish to eat within the first couple of casts and then I dropped that fish. And it was a good fish too. Just got to jump out of it and it jumped off. Pretty happy about that. That doesn't really worry me dropping off. I just like to get the eat. But when it happened another another two times I didn't see those other fish. It was pretty disappointing. End up end up boating a couple of like a couple of small fish, like nothing much bigger than sort of maybe mid sixties or something like that, and one about fifties. Um, nothing nothing awesome. And then um and not long after that, at about I don't know, quarter to seven, seven seven o'clock, my elect my electric motor started to play up. As it turns out, my AGM battery completely died, <laughs> which um, which was not cool because I wanted to stay out there. It was it was a really nice day. It was there was hardly any hardly any wind, and it was just a really nice day. We couldn't see anyone. It was just a nice day to be on the water, um, and the fish were eating obviously. So I had to bail in there. Then I drove home, and then um. Uh, the linkages on my auto in my don't get an XR6 folks uh, Falcons are shit and um, if your door handle's gonna break not long after everything else will as well and uh, yeah so I popped the linkages on my auto my uh, Falcon so after that too so um, yeah so it wasn't awesome it wasn't an awesome day that's for sure had better the lungfish was cool that I mentioned earlier that was cool yep. that was about that was about the biggest highlight of the lot really <laughs> well that's disappointing. So, uh, least uh, least you got out, man. That's um, you know, that's pretty good. Yeah, I'm in the market for a new battery now. I'm looking at um, looking at the lithium batteries. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Got you a- got them. You talked about them on the show previously, right? Yeah. Yeah. The the um, tell you something funny about that. I was talking to someone the other day. He's tell me about this brand, um, Lifepo. I said, What do you mean, Lifepo? He goes, Oh, what? Are you serious? Yeah, I know. Life Po Four, like it must be like the fourth generation. So you're talking, you're talking about when you see them advertising. It's got um, capital L, lowercase i, uh, capital P. uh, (laughs) Is that the situation? Without me spelling right out. Yeah, yeah, mate. You forgot the F E for iron. Yeah, so. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, F E. Periodic symbols in them. You know, lithium iron phosphate and um and he just thought it was a brand like po for <laughs> talk about pre-anticipating hey oh no <laughs> <laughs> oh well this guy's probably pretty rare at making mistakes i'm sure he could really rub it in yeah yeah i i you know me i don't i don't go there very often you know but um you like to save it up for maybe a couple of years later and bring it up at the yeah. most high impact time possible right I know, I know this guy. Yeah, when he's um, probably I don't know if he has a 
know, surprise fiftieth or something. Mm. Um, yeah, it'll, it'll probably come out there. I don't yeah, know. we want to hope he's not a people phobe and he doesn't have parties. He might miss, <laughs> it, might miss the boat. <laughs> yeah, well. Who knows, mate? Um, yeah, so yeah, no, I'm in the, in the market for that stuff. So I think um, instead of replacing with the AGM, we should get pretty good runs out. I'm pretty keen to have a crack at the uh, these lithiums and stuff. I've got to have a speak to Troy at Min Repairs. He's, he's got a good range there of, um, uh, well, a good range of the one brand, I guess you could say, but he'd be the one worth talking to in regards to it. I don't know a great deal about it. Uh, it seems to be a, a pretty deep rabbit hole, eh? A lot of uh, not much contradictory contradictory information, but um, I got one off him. Hey, um, mm. I got one of those Lifepo, um, <laughs> Lifepo four Green Marine ones off him under his recommendation as a cranking battery. I could I couldn't be happier with the um, with the product, the service, and the advice. Yep. Uh, uh, you know, Troy Troy was great, um, and uh, you know it. I don't, I don't need to tell everyone about the benefits of lithium, um, but let me tell you, you know, um, I was, uh, I didn't have great expectations, um, but in terms of differences to the bow, the way it handled, even the way it towed, actually, to be honest, we, you know, it went, went from um, five lead acid batteries to two to, um, lithiums. Man, such a different boat. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, consider it if you're buying if you're in the market for for batteries, it's definitely worth upgrade. Eh? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, well, yeah, that's that's the go. I reckon. Just to, um, I think it'd be the go. I think that um, you know when you when you when you look at it even economically, like the outlays a little bit more. It's amazing how much they've come down in price since um, even in the last twelve months. Mm. Seemingly, like in in, um, in certain places and stuff like that. I mean, I, I see prices and stuff. While I'm trying to get information. I like to I like to make myself informed as best I can um, with with you know with things like this because they're new to me. Um, but you know, I I well, I just like to be able to be part of the conversation when I'm having stuff explained to me. I guess you could say so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there's a lot of information in regards to it. But one of the things I guess is the uh, is the lifespan of them. Um, just seems to make sense in, in regards to the, the cost of an AGM compared to the life cycle of it. I got I got pretty good life out of my AGM, the last one. I got like three years out of that one, which is which is um, exceptional. Bit of a freak battery, that one, for sure. Okay. Uh, normally, normally I get a year and a half, best a year, two years. You know, if I really drag it out. But this one, this one died really weird. You know, it um, it was had had good life. I'd get you know a, a good a good day or or more than a day I always just charge it in the, the day so i don't know if it'd go over a day but it doesn't feel like i'd be it doesn't feel like i'm running down which every previous times when i've when i've um you know consumed the battery it just means that i can't hit top speed and i can't get all day out of it and stuff like that but this was like um it went from like full noise to just within 20 minutes just to nothing you know you know what i mean it was just it was so instant it made me wonder if there was something wrong with the motor but uh, as it turns out, she was the battery. Battery, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Got to be done, mate. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I'm glad we talked about the Tiger, I suppose. I'm sure we'll help some people out. We're probably um probably not going to be a big download of this one. Who knows? But um because because it's such a such a small area. Yeah, um, it is. But like you got to you got to remember, you can go back to episode 27 and get a very um technical breakdown of it too so like if you, if you put these two next to each other listen to them one after another and you know you, 
I'm sure you'll um, I'm sure you'll get something out of it, even maybe just a, a laugh at us, if not with us. But um, what, what have we missed, mate? Like, I mean, I think we've covered a lot of stuff technically. Uh, at, like, you know, we talk about the follow the beef thing. We can't really talk outside of our own experience, really. At the end of the day. Yeah. No. Well. I don't know. I, at the risk of sounding arrogant, there's, there's been more than a few Targa come across the boat, so, you know, over the years. Um, yeah. But I'm saying, so, I mean, we, you know, like it's, uh, we can't, you know, yeah, yeah, but yeah, definitely. Um, you'd be just about due for a Targa tattoo by now, right? <laughs> Thinking about it, mate. Yeah, I'm always, yeah. always in the market for a good idea. You know, if people can send me their favourite tattoo ideas, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, yeah, because yeah, I'll probably get some soon. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. I like I like those Japanese influenced ones, Irizumis and stuff like that. Oh yeah. man, that's that's amazing! It just so happens that um, I've got four of them tattooed on me that are in the Japanese influence. How cool is that? Okay, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should do the same as me. Uh yeah, I was going to go for a toga, but um, anyways, right. what do you mean? Yeah. Oh, like. Uh, I, th- I thought it was about toga, not carp. But, um, I don't have any carp that it on okay. me, mate. Right. Okay, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, not one. In fact, yeah. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be happy to get out of the challenge. I'm pretty sure I'm the first one ever to have a Lycardi tattooed on me. Oh, really? Cool, man. I, I, I reckon that's pretty accurate. I, I didn't see anyone with on beforehand. I know people have done it since. People I know. Right. I know Darren. On? Hey? Who else has got one? I know Darren Brack got one. Uh, got a... Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. R3 and um, uh, there's a there's a another dude who fishes Brumby, fishes Lula. Stuart Hansen got one. Um, Macca got one. Um, I met Stewie Manson Hansen up there the other week, eh? Um, oh, yeah. 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 He. Um, funny story. We launched a boat and someone had. Oh fuck! It was a, either a new Range Rover or no, it was new Amarok. And this thing, um, like it was sparrows far early, like you know pitch black and three three thirty four something you know it was black and this um and every i don't know five minutes or so this is amarok's car alarm would just go off and then stop again you know go for 30 seconds and stop and um oh shit you know if i run into anyone up there i'm just gonna ask them hey you drive an amarok and let them know that you know there's a possibility their battery will be flat when i get back as well as you know a whole bunch of pissed off people um anyway and this boat goes past us sure enough and it's probably around eight or nine o'clock and oi mate this guy turns around i i don't know probably having a cranky face or cranky voice on but anyway he come over he goes what's up i said you driving amarok he goes no nah. i said all right don't worry about it he goes what what i said oh, car alarm's going off of you to amarok and um and he goes no nah, it's not me and i said all right cool Anyway, so, um, and then got talking to him later on. Um, uh, I saw he put up a, a post um, on, on Insta or something saying he, you know, got a tiger and I recognised the boat and his face because he looked sort of, you know, memorable. And um, and uh, is, said, hey, Is it the cross between his um, eyebrows? I, went, I said, Is that you up there in, in the XYZ arm? And he goes, Yeah. I said, Oh, yeah. He goes, Was that you? I went, clearly it was so <laughs> yeah man so yeah, yeah. He's, he's a good dude yeah, he's pretty friendly um, yeah 
yeah, he's, he's up there. So yeah, um, keep going. No, no, I don't know. Don't know anyone else has got it, mate. But um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm pretty sure I'm. I don't think any of those guys have got him in sleeves. You know, but um, yeah, I just I just substitute the carp for Toga. They lend themselves quite well to to that to that um, style. I reckon. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Something. Did you get yours coloured in or not? Well, uh, I've got two of them coloured in. I've got one sleeve that's not finished yet. Shout out to my friend Dan Dingle, who's um who's uh, taking a long time to be able to find time to get into Broken Arrow Studio at, um, at Ballarat there. Uh-huh. Uh, so, yeah, but, um, yeah, one's not finished. Yeah, yeah. 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 But, uh, mate, I reckon I could probably make a booking. You could come down and you could get, you know, your, your first tattoo, mate. Yeah, who knows, man. Get a nice nice, um, nice eagle on the muscle, the little banner that's got Volta written under it or something. <laughs> Then, uh, then you know, you might find this winter might be, you know, the first winter you find yourself feeling the need to wear a singlet in winter, like some of the other guys <laughs> who got, got their first tattoo, you know? I oh, know, yeah, so everyone just torch I am. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pretty bloody tough, eh? Yeah. 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 No, yeah. There's nothing like letting them know, mate. That's for sure, yeah. you know? Six degrees outside. <laughs> <laughs> My toughness will keep me warm. Check me out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get these things for me, you know. What do you reckon? Check them out. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, so um, what do you reckon, mate? Maybe a back piece then, hey? Oh, I think it's something back, neck, you know, maybe something if, like that. If you get a back piece, you'll be able to hide it from the missus in like maybe two to three weeks. Well, they'll, have, they'll, have to, they'll have to shear you down first to, to do the tattoo. And then after two or three weeks, you'll just grow this pelt that you can't see it. It'll be like yeah. hi- like hiding it. You know, people have to. You know, have a look at my toga, and they go, oh, "It's on my shoulder blade." You just have to part the hair. You know, or give them a brush to um to move the hair to the side. Check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Haratoga. Yeah. Good. Haratoga. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the time of the year, mate. Though um you probably shouldn't take the time off to get tattoos because uh, what do we got um. You know, we talked about on the podcast last last time about the um, self-imposed breeding season. From you don't fish from when they're breeding. I don't fish from when they're breeding. I think a lot of people have caught onto that as well, which is great. Um, so that breeding season time is um, is a pretty pretty widely estimated to be between say you know October to, to December. Uh, maybe the you know um, probably arguably like halfway through December, I suppose you could say, uh, and probably even a little bit into. Um, uh, September, potentially a little bit as well, but I like to stay away from between o- o- October through through November uh, through um, December, essentially the end of December for me. I know you, I know you tucked in a little bit earlier there, mate. I don't think there's a problem with that, but I think basically if we're all mindful of it, that'd be great. It's a shame that we don't have um, a, clo- a close season for a fish that's. To, I, don't, I know I've brought up a couple of times, but it's really important, I reckon, to really actually consider how big this planet is and how small this distribution for for this particular species of saratoga is you know it's such such well, you could drive you could drive its whole the whole distribution of saratoga in a day you know in a car mm, that's pretty can't, do that. can't do that for barra you can't do that for any species really you know even sooties or even any any i can't think of any species that you could get in your car and and comfortably drive from one end of its distribution to the other so you're saying like uh 
for the river? Or? No, I'm talking like if you you could you could technically drive from Mackay to to the Gold Coast in a day. Be a big day, but you could, right? Oh yeah. So it'd just be it'd just be unusual to include its artificial range in there too. That's oh well, then you could drive its 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 natural geographic distribution in before lunch. Mm. That's how small. That's how small that. But I mean, you got you look at two things here. You got an ancient fish as you described it. So a fish that hasn't barely changed since the time of the dinosaurs. Um, that 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 lives in a distribution that. Oh yeah, man! It's one system, really. Naturally, the yeah. Dawson, Dawson River, Saratoga, they they call it, and um, so it's yeah. I actually I actually learnt the guy's name, uh, Leichhardt or Leichhardt, who who named them. The biologist who named them. I, I can't remember his name. I don't, I couldn't be bothered digging it up. It'd be too hard to find. But I don't know why I found it. But anyway, um, wasn't Leichhardt an explorer and someone named it after him, or is that the actual? No, there was a dude's. There was a dude's name. Um, it was a dude's Barry. name. He was. Huh? Barry Leichhardt. Barry Leichhardt. <laughs> that's Larry, mate. Larry Leichhardt. You're thinking. <laughs> Actually, that's Larry Lightheart. You're thinking of, right? Oh yeah. Is he? Yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was. It was some dude. It, I know there's Leichhardt the Explorer. I. I don't even know if this website's true, mate. And I and even I could be butchering this. So disclaimer. Take take what you want. But um, some dude who was um. Uh, on. I don't know, on some sort of mission to do something, which is so fucking vague. Um, I wasn't prepared to talk about it. You just reminded me of it, that's all. But um, he was just he was just in the area for a totally different reason and discovered that fish. Really? Hmm. You're Googling it now, aren't you? Yeah, I am, yeah. I can tell by the by your um, level of attention. Yeah. But, but, but I mean, my point is how... how <laughs> did you find it? No, no, I'm just... Just a bit sus on the fact checking. Uh, All right, well then, mate, it might not be real. I don't know. Like it's just um, it's just, I I read it and I found it and I don't know. I can't even remember the website or where it was or whatever. I could have been having an an episode. Who knows? I could have been watching. You know, that morning I picked mushrooms and saw that tiger look at me. So <laughs> who knows? Yeah, it's just a, I don't know if I'm making that point. It just it spins me out when you think about it, just how small a distribution that that fish is and how unprotected it kind of is, really. At the end of the day. Yeah. Don't want to go down the, the the dark path, but they're one of the hardest fish to handle too. You know, like um, you know, like yeah, it's just a shame to watch watch them get handled so poorly. If you're listening to this, I guess on a positive note, you know, the the, the best way to handle those fish is to is to you know. Try not to pick them up if you don't know really what you're doing. But if you if you can, and if you've got the nuts to do it, jaw gripping is probably a pretty safe way to do it. But just don't use bogus, eh? You know, like the bo- you see bogus and they go all the way through their chin membrane. Oh, that's ugly. That's got to it's got to really affect their ability to eat and breed to do that, even if you let it go. But um, I think um, just the nature of when those fish are available and people catch them. When you see pictures of them in summer, just laying on a on a hot carpet in the middle of the day. It's just so ugly. I think I think they're the fish that gets mistreated the most, eh? Unfortunately, well, they're just they're just hard to hold, eh? Very yeah, hard to hold. They are very difficult to hold. They're one of those fish that you think oh, the bigger ones will be easier to hold, they're not. They're no, sure. they're like a, you know, they're like a snake, you know, mated with a leaf. It's um, it <laughs> I um, just looking at Wikipedia, um. This is obviously uh, contrary to my 
No, no, no. Well, there's some interesting things here. Um, um, S. Lachardi is a similar, similar fish than, um, than Jardini. A 90 centimetres fish was weighed at only 4 kilos compared to 17.2 kilos for a Jardini of similar length. Uh, off their head. Someone's got on there and edited it. I bet you that someone who lives in the Northern Territory is just, oh, the Jardini's. Uh, yeah. One of those like corroboree guides. Yeah. Um, the, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> 17.2 kilos. <laughs> 17 crack talk. Uh, 70, man. Could you imagine how big a 17 kilo barramundi is? That's, um, or a 17 like kilo nine, tuna? Yeah, it's longer than 90 centimeters. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so, and they were apparently, like, Lachardis were named by, by a guy called Albert Gunther in 1864. Uh, why? Was he, was he, why was he in the area? Um, well, it doesn't say, just fish described in 1864, taxa named by Albert Gunther. Yeah. Okay. Um, that shines no light on the, uh, on the story. Yeah. Anyways, maybe there's some more references there. Who cares? How did you find that? I'm, I'm on Wikipedia and I literally searched Saratoga like Hardy and there's no page. Sounds to me like I, you are making stuff up. I don't know what to say to you, man. You want me to send you the link? Oh, yeah, and I found it. Southern Saratoga. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Hell yeah. It says here it was named by a guy crossing the river. <laughs> 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 This is so funny. Yeah. Sclera pages. No, uh, hang on. What does it say? Jardini has several ready spots on this scale, crescent shape. Uh, sclera page like hey, there's slimmer fish. Oh, you guys are off your head. Jard off, off your head. So, where's this? The dorsal sort of blah blah blah. Um, orange or red dots. Like Artie you have the orange or red dots. The, yeah. The Jardini have the red line. So they're joined up, are they? The dots. Yeah, yeah, in my experience, you know. Some of the, some of the Lycardis have got joined up dots too. Just depends yeah. on what part of the fish you're looking at. Okay, yeah. Fish base, that's what that one. So anyway, there's lots of information out there. If you can read it, take some of it on board or not. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right, okay. Cool. Mm. Yep. Um, I went to Sclerapages Giardini. It's also known as the Pearl Necklace Arowana. How weird that? Yeah, the pearl arowana. Mm. Oh, sorry. Read that wrong. Blah, 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 ladies, Carl Sarafa. Here you go, throughout northern Queensland and central southern New Guinea. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, hey. mate, I think, mm. we, I think we kind of nailed it. Um, I, I, I'm going to say give yourself a pat on the pelt. I think you've done well. <clears throat> Thank you. <coughs> Thank you very much, you two. Um, pat your pelt, whatever you're patting these days. Um, just skin, mate. Skin, yeah. Skin. Well, yeah. I hope you sort out that car. Um, yeah. Falcon issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do I. Um, first Falcon I've ever owned in my life, so it's um, been a great experience. Yeah, you've owned it for a while, right? Yeah, I have. Yep. Yeah, I have. I have. It used. Yeah. Yeah. Probably he uh, experienced a significant life event or two in that in that vehicle. 
Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Some yeah. people have. <laughs> and um, yeah, all right. Well, let's um, let's catch up in a fortnight, mate. Um, we've yeah, uh, we got a, we got a good one next one, dudes. If you're listening, if you've got this far, let's uh, let's you know give you a, a forewarned treat. It's um, yeah, we got a we got a we got an international guest on, and let's just say it's going to be very permit based, and um, there could be some some serious benthic strata discussions going on here with this guest. Yeah, he knows his shit. Um, yeah, and he um, he's very well respected in his field. Um, he ain't taking no flack, and he's, and he's a he's an he's a he's a well known educator in permit fishing, fly on fly as well, fly yeah. fishing for permit. Yeah, so we're really looking forward to it. Um, we're gonna do our homework and uh, and get him some really intelligent questions. Um, so we're gonna yeah. try to. We might have to ask other people to help us out. Uh huh. Mm hmm. Nah, that's 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 not me. You're very intelligent, mate. I'm just nah, gonna lean on you. I was gonna practice my my Latin words: Trachonotus, Falcatus, 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 yeah. Falcus, Falcus, the, mille- the Millennium Falcatus. <laughs> <laughs> if you put a permit, an Atlantic permit on its side, <laughs> is it a Millennium Falcatus? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I, I, th- these are the sort of questions that I really want to uh, run past this dude. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, same. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Uh, I don't think, is it, Fal- it's not Falcatus. How do you, how do you, um... Falcatus? Okay, yeah, right. I just, I just Googled Falcatus. Google it, man. That, this um, shark-like creature reminds me of, reminds me of you. Are you serious? It's yeah. Just, just like a sucker bunch where it's going to end up. Pro, I don't, look, man, I don't know. Like, I mean, people might see you differently, but I see you as a Falcatus. <laughs> look at it. <laughs> look at those line drawings. They look so happy. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Right at Falcatus. Why don't we get the Falcat out of here, dude? <laughs> see you, mate. <laughs> down in Mississippi where the sun beats down from the sky. They give it up and they give it up and they give it up but they never ask why Daddy was a rock